I'm waiting. I'm like, I don't want you to touch my crotch, big bad boy. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's March 10, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 181. This is no agenda. Combating static electricity and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I can say with a Authority that artichoke hearts are delicious. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. In the morning to you, my fine friend. In the morning. It's been a weird morning. Yeah, you just got up apparently. Uh, yeah, a quarter to nine. I woke up. I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't feel right. What time is it? Oh, my <laughs> God. It's a quarter to nine. But I, I, I like this makes no sense. Well, first of all, it makes sense that I was dead tired because I'm, you know, jet lagged and uh, been flying all over the globe. So that makes sense. But uh, then I get, uh, by the way, could you please tweet the fact that we're on the air? I did that. Oh, thank you. Um, and then I get, I get all these uh, these these tweets saying, uh, "Hey, I want what you're drinking." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> And you know, I'm already feeling like weird, right? I got 15 minutes to get the to get my act together. You know, of course, I've been prepping all week long, but it's you know, I got to set everything up. The computer wasn't open because I came home last night, and I pretty much had something to eat, went to bed. I mean, I'm dead tired. Hmm. And then I and I look at if you look at my my Twitter, my most recent Twitters, except for the the very last one I sent out, it's all like googly gook, googly gook. What you were you were hallucinating and tweeting? No. And this is also, now I figured out why my, uh, my alarm also didn't go off, which I always set on my iPhone. I bought, uh, at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport, I bought a new, um, universal adapter, uh, charger for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And there's something really weird with it. If you plug it in, and I've noticed this at, uh, Christina's house when I was staying with her in London, if you plug it in, um, the screen acts all funny. And Ooh. and you can't like unlock it, and then you hit. It. I mean, it's like it's like some kind of static charge. That's it's like some dirty electricity that's flowing through the cable or something. It's like a it's a bogus device. In other words, it's a piece of crap. It's a piece of crap, exactly. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter, just as long as I'm charging it. But of course, when I'm going to sleep, I have to turn it upside down so that I, you know, otherwise when uh, someone tweets or whatever, you know, I have to put it on silent and the light goes on, that can wake me up. But I put it upside down on an iron shelf. Oh, interesting. And so not only did it turn off the alarm, it tweeted. It was tweeting itself all night. It was doing all kinds of crazy shit. It's just like it's, it's possessed. It was auto-tweeting. It was, yeah, but not very intelligently. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, so it screwed up my alarm. It was auto-tweeting. Who knows well, what the, else right, it Give us the name of this crappy product so people out there that listen to our show don't buy it. Oh, hold on. Whistle for a second. It's funny that you say that because it was only twenty nine ninety nine, and it included a uh, it included a car charger as well. It is the hmm, damn. Of course, I don't have the. It's, oh, look, made in China. Oh, that's a clue. It's the DGI Pod fifteen oh five. It sounds very dubious, <laughs> but it was great because it did UK, uh, uh, Dutch, US. 
Uh, oh, it's the I sound. That's what it is. I dot sound. Hmm. Uh, and it's universal. It comes in a in a pack with a with a charger and with the uh, a one USB cable that you can either plug into the wall charger or into the into the car charger. Piece of crap. You're right. Okay. Well, there we go. Now that helps. Uh, that, now it's worth the price of admission to come to the show. Now we had one of our producers that sent a note in saying that our show uh, intros, in other words, our chit chat here at the beginning, is too long. The last show, and I think it resulted in less donations, by the way, where oh, we no. had good material, it was 28 minutes of chatter. But wait a minute, people always like chatter. They want us to get straight to the news. That's well, it- not necessarily, but I think we should probably jump to the news and get some of the stories and some teasers out there, right. and then do the chatter as we go along instead of instead of front loading with a bunch of personal information, you know, and again, and pet peeves. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, then just jump to the news before we even talk no, about no, producers. No, 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 no. But before we jump to the news, we should do the executive producer. So what the idea is is to do a little intro, do the executive producers. You know, jump to maybe one or two stories. All then right, all right, get to it already. You're taking too long. Now I'm, I'm, I'm nervous that you know we <laughs> don't get any donations because we're taking so long talking about life, which is what this show is supposed to be about. See, this is what happens when he doesn't get enough sleep. Yeah, I get cranky. Gets cranky. It's really right. amazing. Who's now, by ours? the way, we started at uh, nineteen or uh, nine fourteen, so we're only six minutes. I feel well. I guess we're probably already too far all gone. <laughs> all right, Lucas Hokinson, Manitoba. It's oh it, wait a minute. He sent me a note how to pronounce his name. Uh, Luke. I think I don't. I don't think we're doing it right. I don't think we are either. It's the whole concept or something like that. Lucas is our executive producer. Excellent. He, he's in Manitoba. Two, three, four, five, six is what he gave. Oh, I'm sorry. He's the associate executive producer. Sorry. Oh. He got bumped. He got bumped by Kiva.org. $270. And Kiva.org does micro loans. Uh, this is one of those companies that's, you know, gives, uh, you know, goes into the poorest parts of the world and gives people five bucks and they really? start a business and become billionaires. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So this is, like, this is like, oh, that's really interesting. K I V A? Yeah, .org. So they're our executive producer for this week. Wow, this is getting very interesting. I like yeah. that. Okay. I, well, I went over their site, and they looked legit. I mean, I'm always dubious. But it looks like one of those operations, a bunch of them that do this, and they're extremely valuable around the world in terms of getting some minor economies off the ground because there are people that have a lot of skills out there. They can't get a nickel from the banks. Right. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. We have absolutely, we got some skills, we can't get a nickel. No, we can't. It's That's true. what we're doing the show. I swear, I swear to God, I put in for a credit card just to see if, if I could get one. And you know, I do that every month or so, just see what, what's going on with my credit. And it always comes back to the same, it always comes back with the same message. Not, no sufficient credit history on file. Yeah, you have to be like, uh, already in debt up to your, to yeah, your uh, eyebrows yeah. to get a card to get more in debt. Yeah, I, and I have no debt because I was out of the country. I was. Oh gone. no, he's got no debt. Don't give him credit. <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing in the world. I'm telling you, it's not so. The whole thing is corrupt. And this is uh, was it Equifax who uh, who does that? No, 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 three or four of them now. I mean, I know there's three. Equifax is just one of three. Now you have to pass muster with all three of them. Oh, really? One is just it's not a good scam. Enough? It's oh, a complete scam. This is a, something we should probably spend some, you know, a couple of shows on and blow the lid off some of the bull crap that goes on with these credit reporting agencies that never used to exist. Hey, you know, 
20 years ago, I never heard of a FICO score. FICA yeah, FICA, score. It, the FICO score stands for something, right? It's like yeah, a, federal, in, you know, no, it's not, insane no, it's something really cash different. allowance or some crazy thing. It's, it's bogus. No, it's even worse than that. It's, um, I have it here. Someone sent that to me. Wikipedia would probably answer the question. It's, um, hmm. Someone sent, someone sent me what it stands for. I can't remember now. But yeah, no, it's complete. It's completely nuts. And people talk about their FICA scores like they're like the length of their schlong. Yeah, or like their golf handicap. Yeah, exactly. Like and they I, brag I, about it. I say, listeners and producers, try and stay out of debt, cash it's only. A it's meme a- that got into the public domain and nobody bitches about it. I have never heard one single complaint. By any on-air personality or their- news reporter or editorialist complaining about this system, uh, as though they've all just hooked into you know they just hook, line, and sinker down they go. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that nobody says that. Hey, this is a scam. They're not even accurate with their reporting. You, there's a, we spend most of our time, you know, Mimi spends hours and hours on the phone trying to repair your credit. Saying, what is this? We never had this bill, right? Oh, like like unpaid bills show up? Is that what it is? Oh uh, no, I mean all kinds of things. I mean, there's a, there's more inaccuracies in these things. It's like amazing, and then you can file again. You know, you want to make somebody's life miserable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just file a, a bogus report against them, right? Yeah, you could. Let them deal with it. You know, let them deal with it. Well, it's all going to become much easier when uh, when we Did get you hear our- that home, that train. No, I missed it. It's all going to become much easier when we, when we get our federal ID cards. Yeah, right, which will we'll probably have the FICO score on it. Here it is. Uh, it's the Fair Isaac Corporation. I knew it had nothing to do with federal. This is from Eric, by the way. He just uh, Skyped me. Fair Isaac Corporation. It's, like it's like a commercial outfit that's doing this crap. Yeah, money-making. Money, making the American public suffer yeah. so they can make profits. They're like Nazis. It's unbelievable. Like Joseph and nobody Mayla. complains about it. Oh, that's okay. I got a great FICA score. I don't give a crap. Uh, let me get 10 more credit cards. <laughs> it's, I, have, it's I have exactly zero credit cards. I got well, one I, debit you know, we've card. Gone to, I have one <laughs> credit card uh, and a uh, backup that I don't use. It's just essentially a debit card. That And we've gone to all cash. Yeah, no, me too. I'm I'm completely I'm completely all cash. And I look my at my next car. I'm buying it with yeah, cash. Yeah, me if too. I, I, me too. I'll just save up the money. It's going to yep. take a little longer. I let my old Lexus, you know, will last for you know three hundred thousand miles if I wanted to. So I don't have to really, you know, I don't. I could live live in that. It looks like I am actually. And uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd get that joke in there before you do. No, very good. <laughs> when I don't sleep well, when I get up too late, you're going to be much faster on the draw. That was true. But, so, but, but uh, I have the exact same thing because I need a car out here in Los Angeles, and I'm not going to go and going to go pay you know two hundred, three hundred, four hundred bucks a month just to a bunch of shysters to you know to have the same car for five years. No, I'm I'm going I'm going to get a car for a couple grand. I you know it's crazy. It's just nuts. You you go and I looked at the I was talking to you about the Dodge Charger. I'm like, yeah, that's really hot. I'd love to have a Dodge Charger. Then I got to look at what what this thing costs. First of all, it's a piece of crap. I mean, I, I I rented one at the airport, not the one with the super engine, 
And uh, it's it's like plastic. It's a plastic car. And they want, you know, if you want a decent one that looks kind of cool, it's like it's going to be $40,000 once you get past taxes. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? Yeah. You know, I'm just going to get me a Jeep Wrangler. I'm going to get me one from 1998, and it's going to cost about $5,000. No, you can get it cheaper than that. Uh, well, that, uh, that old. Well, You don't want to get one that old. Not, you want to get one with old. the softer suspension. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks. Good. Otherwise, you'll just be beaten up in that thing. But you know, it's like what I, I don't need to show off. I don't need. I mean, I've had those. I've had every single stupid car known to man, and I paid for it all on on uh, on credit. It sucks. Yeah, and you had a Rolls Royce for a while. On I, I, and I leased it. It was the dumbest thing ever. I was paying like there goes the, there goes the show. I'm t- no, but this was in 1988, and I was and I was paying nine hundred dollars a month for a stupid Rolls Royce. And then, and then, and then when, you know, which, can you imagine the insurance? And how about a brake job? Oh, that'll be $15,000 for your brakes. This is what? dumb. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it? It's, yeah, but it's like hydrogen brakes or some crap. Hydrogen brakes. I'm telling you, like a hydrogen system. But no, anyway, the point, the point is we could help ourselves so much by not going into debt and just, hey, you know what? So uh, I'll have a, I'll take a secondhand piece of crap card. It's what I can afford right now. I'll be fine. Hey, there are people out there who baby these cars. Yeah. And you get them at the blue book price that they're maybe five or six years old. I mean, they get those two guys that are on PBS at one of the better shows, which the PBS people never wanted to put on, which is click and clack these two mechanics. They, one of them, you know, just essentially says you're an idiot to buy a new car. Oh really? Yeah, and he just says you, you're absolutely crazy. He says once you dr- put, once you buy the new car and drive it out the front door, the, the, the value is dropped the value, five grand. Yeah, it's completely dead. You know, so it's like right. ridiculous. Anyway, well, let's get to some stories. There's a couple. There's actually we have a lot of stories this week, and so many that we have to. In fact, not see what the time is. Uh, you know, I'm going to let you drive a little bit because um, the only thing I might want to play for you later is this crazy uh, 9/11 call. Uh, no, you this. want to do that, but but well, if we're you want to get, if I want to wake you up, let's start with the story about uh, about our friend uh, uh, Geert. Oh, Geert Wilders. There, there, he's now the target apparently of a media attack. Yeah, I, I noticed this uh, earlier, actually, the beginning of the week. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Geert Wilders is a politician from Gitmo Nation Lowlands, the Netherlands, who. Um, and I follow these people, and this I'm, it's like I'm living in deja vu land, because this is exactly what happened with Pim Fortuyn, the Dutch politician who was assassinated, uh, I think it was like literally like a week and a half before the elections, where not only was his party going to win in a landslide, they won without him. The guy was dead, and they still won. Now, of course, because <laughs> their leader was gone, or posthumously, as they say, because their leader was gone. Uh, you know, the, the cabinet was all messed up and, you know, and, and by the way, I will say there were multiple cartridges at the murder scene. It was not just some crazy, uh, animal rights activist, but that's a whole nother story for another show. And, um, and, you know, he, his main meme was, um, you know, we've got to stop the Islamific, Islamification of the Netherlands. And, uh, he was, Passed off in the press as, you know, the Dutch Le Pen and he's a fascist and he, you know, the guy was like a big bald gay guy and he was really sweet and he was highly intelligent. I don't know Geert Wilders personally like I did, uh, 
uh, Pim for Time, but he has taken along, you know, he's basically saying what I hear from everybody on the street in Amsterdam. Behind closed doors, they all say, yeah, shit, you know, we really don't like the way the streets look. Uh, we don't like these little Moroccan kids uh, uh, causing a ruckus and stealing shit and beating people up and used to be able to be gay and walk around safely on the streets of Amsterdam. And all of that has changed. Uh, because of these immigration laws. And so he's basically just saying what people are saying, only he's not saying it behind closed doors. So he's getting, a, you know, I think in the Netherlands, very typically, people will say, oh, well, you know, uh, it wouldn't really be good if Geert would actually uh, win. No, you know. But meanwhile, the minute they're in that voting booth, they're checking his box because the guy is going to win by a landslide. And of course, the parliament still alive. Well, this is what I'm very worried about. And I personally think it would be good for the Netherlands to have a guy like this run in the place for a while. Let's see what happens. You know, so this guy's been on a number of shows and one of our uh, producers and of Twitter, uh, Kubachi, uh, made a note of, of specifically calling out Glenn Beck, who had Wilders on the show twice. Oh, I missed that. I got to take a look at it. He had him on the show twice, you know, with a really reasonably good conversation. The, guy, the guy's intelligent, for sure. I mean, he's just he's saying very simple things. He's saying we need to reverse the immigration policy. Uh, we, and people who want to live in the Netherlands, that's fine. Uh, but we're not going to make Muslim schools for you where they speak only uh, in, in foreign tongues. You know, you got to learn some Dutch. You know, it's the typical stuff that people will. It's a very nationalist movement. That a lot yeah, of people but if you're agree moving with. to Holland you, and you're going to move there and become a, a Dutchman, you might as well. I mean, you might as well. You should learn the language, or you shouldn't be. You shouldn't even be there. What's the point? Well, so the, there's all you know. They basically ghettoize these um, these families who come in because you know. Oh, you can go to this. You get your own school. They speak your own language. You got your own church. You know. So and, you know, they, they never integrate. And then, and then, of course, it's irritating for the Dutch who are used to wearing, you know, something mainstream like wooden shoes to see people walking around with rags on their heads. You know, this is this is this is what it's come down to. People wooden are strange shoes. I've animals. I've never seen anyone wear wooden shoes. No, of course not. That's my point. But they but they they dress stylishly, and it's like not well in the Dutch for, so, format. Uh, anyway, so anyway, so she called out Beck because apparently Beck. Uh, after some, at, at more recently called Wilders a fascist, which which kills me. A fascist is, but, you know, but he's not the only one doing this. They're, they're, he's they're being all called doing out it. As, they're all doing. This is the meme. It's like he's fascist. Every every single I've, I'm, I'm hearing it everywhere. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, or like he's he's like Hitler. Only he's not against the Jews. He's against the Muslims. It's just a little reversal. It's a flip flop. Like what the hell? Is, fascism has nothing to do with that. Fascist, the definition of fascist, fascism is government and big business. I've never heard him talk about that. Yeah, corporatism is what fascism is. Right, it has nothing to do to. with it, so it's incorrect. If they want to say he's like Hitler, uh, dude. So anyway, it's a real problem. I think they're trying, you know, they're trying to, they're, they're smear, it's a smear campaign. But this happened, it, it is deja vu. This is exactly, and if you listen to the guy, if you actually listen to what he has to say, and not the derivative of what the news media is saying he said. And by the way, I think I told you I'm reading this great book uh, called It's Not What You Say, But What People Hear. I think, I think that's what it's called. And it is very interesting indeed. It's not just what you say, what comes out of your mouth, but it's what people hear or think you said. Right. And he has, uh, you know, it's very challenging for a guy like this to to get himself heard. But, you know, you, you met Taxi Eric, right? My, my boy in Amsterdam? Yeah. 
You know, he's like, I can't wait for this guy to be in. Let's, we almost let's... got killed by that guy, by the way. I, oh, you did not. <laughs> Eric is an awesome dude. He was No, he was going down looking for his phone or something, and there was a truck stopped in the middle of the freeway for no apparent reason. <laughs> okay, so now the chat room was like, Wilders is a douchebag. He's a fascist. AC and JCD are full of crap. Yeah, this is right. And here's the uh, this this would be typical because we haven't converted everybody to actually looking at things realistically. And the and the chat room I think has a lot of uh, agent provocateurs. By the oh, way, oh for sure, for sure. Uh, today on Fox Special News, a book one of our uh, producers sent in uh, with Brett Bayer. They smeared uh, Wilders, uh, reporting him as a man who. What they, I don't know. If this is a smear, but it says a man who inspires fierce emotions. Quote: uh, Anger on the streets of London. The object of of the demonstration was a recent visit by far right Dutch politician Geert Wilders. Unquote. Quote, his anti-Muslim rhetoric makes him a target of critics. Wilder says Muslim headscarf should be banned. He's branded the Muslim prophet Muhammad a pedophile and likened the Muslim Quran to Mein Kampf. So they're just, you know, just laying it on one thing after another. So the um, he, what he did say, which I think we talked about on the show, which I thought was pretty funny, he says, look, if you want to work in public service, if you want to work like at uh, t- City Hall uh, or you know elsewhere, then he feels it should not be okay for you to wear a burqa. <laughs> a burqa, right? You know, and so there's he's got something there. Yeah, right? I think so. Meanwhile, the, the uh, our uh, producer sent in notes that Charles Krauthammer was blasting him out of the. But this all happened in the same period, short period of time, by the way, in, indicating that it's a, it's a definitely a hit. Uh, oh yeah, and I'd like to point out that the um, the immigrants that are coming into the Netherlands are. Um, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here. I'm not. Ent- I wasn't entirely prepared for this conversation, but they are um, kind of the riffraff from the mountains, if you catch my drift. So there's a, there's a lot of issues here that are under the cover. But the Dutch people. So, so essentially, why is this happening? The Dutch government saw 20, 30 years ago that the population was going down. They needed people to come in. They've always had groups of people come in to work. It's, it was the English. It was the Italians. It was the Moluccas. It was the Turks. And now it's the Moroccans because, you know, they, they need a population. They need a population of, of slaves like we all are enslaved to work and to generate and have an economy. Otherwise, the country of the Netherlands is on its way to being, they call it the, the grayification. You know, there'll be no one working anymore. They've already got only 2 million people working for 17 million that live there. So they needed a population. They said, well, let's bring these guys in. And, you know, but for the first time, and I have been um, in and out of the Netherlands since I've since I was seven, never have I seen it this bad where and it is bad. You know, Mickey was uh, she was in her car, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And a couple of these Moroccan punks came up, smashed her window while she's in her car waiting for the light to change, smash her window, grab her purse and, you know, basically rob her and run off. And she, and she, you know, she's like shocked. She looks around. She has like 13 year old kids. 13 year olds doing this. Smash and grab. And I've been on the, on the street, you know, these, they're, they're aggressive. It's like something has gone horribly wrong. 
And it needs to be, you know, that's just one of the things that just needs to be uh, changed. And Yeah, you know, well, you, you well know, it will end up, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, that's Stod- you got quotes from Stoddard, Bill Crystal, who dismissed Wild uh, Wilders as a demagogue. And so anyway, and that's but all, these you people know, don't know anything about it. If you actually live in the country, and oh man, I'm telling you, and, and I'm going to get so much hate mail now, because there is a tremendous campaign against this guy. And these people are in the chat room right now. And, you know, there's one, there's one, it's one thing not to agree with him, but to call people Hitler and fascist only because he's, he's, he is the mouthpiece for the people who are living with this hell. Well, you know, all these know-it-alls from, uh, you know, that will be here and there that have never even been to Holland, uh, you know, they have their two bits worth of it. You know, they, they basically take and repeat the meme and back in, and it's like, you know, that infinite loop of meme-dumb where something comes in and it becomes a meme and it goes around and around and around and just builds and builds and builds as though it's true. And, and by the way, later in the show, for anyone interested, uh, I found another one this week. And this one's a sinister one. Of course, this affects the United States. It doesn't really affect any, anybody else. Uh, but I found it to be extremely depressing. Um, and uh, we'll get to it after we do a couple more you know, right. stories so, that need so to be discussed. Just, just to wrap this up, the Dutch are actually very social people. I don't want to say socialist, even though they live in a socialist system. They're very social people. And they want to be able to get along with everybody. This is why it's, you know, it's so, when tourists come in, like, oh, it's a great country, everyone's laid back, and you can do your own thing, and et cetera, et cetera. So even though they're extremely angry inside, and everyone was really angry, now Wilders actually has a shot at winning, now there's this switch, and people are going, well, of course, it actually wouldn't really be good if he actually did win because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, I just got to call as I, as I see it. I mean, it is it is the Dutch mentality to speak this way, even though they are boiling on the inside. Their country has been taken hostage, and and it's no one's fault but their government, who have allowed this, who have not not only allowed it, they've they've inspired it and have set it all up to be crap. But of course, they also they they realize that they need people working, and that they need uh, you know new children being born. The number one name in the Netherlands for kids is Mohammed. Is that right? Yes, yes. I'm not joking. <laughs> yes, this is absolutely true. The number one boy's name is Mohammed. Might be the number one girl's name for all I know. Anyway. I don't know what the girl equivalent is. Hmm. No, the number one. Uh, Boy's name uh, of newborn in the Netherlands is is Muhammad. So, yeah, hey, yeah, and how many of the Muslims are naming their kid Muhammad? <laughs> no, I needed the end of morning. That's what you're missing out on there. In the morning. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm back on it. I'm ready. No, today. This, is, this is waking me. No, this is waking me up. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good one. That was the idea. Good way to get me going. All right. Um, yeah, well, it's annoying, and I can see that you, you have an interest in the... I love... And, you know, I like I, to go to, to Holland. I think it's a great country, and the people there are quite friendly and sociable, and it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just, it, to see the, some of these changes, recent changes, because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings is pretty depressing. I mean, they, they're going to take, you know, you, now the, you know, the free drug thing that was there, people go there, it used to be for the drug tourists. Well, that's, that's pretty all, much gone. That's pretty much gone. Yeah, the hookers are gone, the drugs are gone, 
and you get beat up. Hey, why go? <laughs> I go really beat up. <laughs> well, if you want to get beat up, it might be a great place to go. I have a lot to thank the Netherlands for, and I really love the country, and I've seen it change. And the way you see the change is when you go away for a long time. I left in 1987. I came back in 1999, and within one week, I'm like, what the hell happened here? And only then did I, because I had kind of, yeah, I lost track. I wasn't really paying attention. I was in the States. I was doing my thing. I was completely self-obsessed with my career. And I was like, what the hell happened? And then I started learning. And then I met Theo von Gogh, also, by the way, not just assassinated by, uh, by a Muslim, but I mean, he was, he was machine gunned down. They stuck a knife in his chest, in his heart with a note on it. <laughs> I mean, come on. In the middle of the day. In Amsterdam, in the street. This isn't. This is not where I grew up. All right. God, maybe I should do it. Who cares? John C. Dvorak, pet peeve of the day. Desperate. What was your pet peeve? I know, but I don't have a jingle. Oh, okay. Well, you can always use mine. I'll loan you mine. Thank you, honey. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so another kind of a, a kind of a lighter piece of news, but, but another thing is not being covered by the mainstream media that I just want to discuss in, in passing because uh, by coincidence, our, our artwork for this week is going to reflect it. But there's been some really weird stuff going on in the Obama administration and, the, and also the Canadian government, and it's been so under the radar that it's only like buried in you know in the back pages of ESPN and some and and some specialty publications that have to do with uh, fishing. Oh uh, yes, I've, I've seen this. Yeah. Within the next year or two, this began, and I'm gonna, I've got the article here that was done by uh, Robert Montgo Robert Mon Montgomery for ESPN Outdoors, and he also writes for Bass. Uh, apparently there's this, this concerted effort to essentially keep people from, I think this is a long-term strategy is to keep people from hunting because, you know, once you, you get to stop people from hunting, then you had, then you, they have no excuse to have a hunting rifle. No, then you got them. Of course, of course. It's all about the guns. Yeah. And, oh, we got to get these guns off the street because, you know, then we can do whatever we want. I mean, and people should realize this, whether you like guns or not. It is in the Constitution that you can have them. And I've told, you know, and in the past, we would have cannons in front of their houses to protect themselves. Um, but so, so the effort began in Canada with the Internet, the World Wildlife Fund and the International Fund for Animal Welfare. I'm reading from Montgomery's piece. Uh, completed their successful campaign to convince the Ontario government to end one of the best scientifically managed big game hunts in North America, the spring bear hunt. The results of their agenda had severe economic impacts on small family businesses and the tourism economy of communities across northern and central Ontario. And now, according to uh, some sources, we see that the National Oceana Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, our boys, are working on planning the future of recreational fishing access in America. So they're going to do is apparently start, essentially it's going to be illegal to fish. Let's just boil it down. And we have a link in the show notes to these articles, or you can look them up yourself. Um, they're going to make it, and they're headed that way, to make it illegal official. In other words, let's, you know, we have this father-son sitting in the pier, you know, catching perch. No. They're, they're going to claim everything is overfished when, when it's not. All based on stuff that goes on in the ocean, and we still have no no control over the Japanese. And they're going once they get that in place, where we try to get people, you know, so it's illegal to fish. Then, then they go. To, it's illegal to hunt. 
Then it goes to illegal to hunt. And then it goes to you don't need a hunting rifle. This is what people don't understand because I've been following the story. Actually, um, last night, I think Han I saw Hannity talking about it as I was scanning through the channels. And what people are saying is, oh, you know, we can't, they don't want us to sustain ourselves. We can't ha have our own food. And they're focusing too much on the fishing part. I totally agree with you. This is, this is going after the Second Amendment about the right to bear arms. Right. And this is just a, it's like a, you know, many of these things that go on are, are, are multi, multi step processes. And so you can't just, uh, Go right, go right out. I mean, you can't be too blunt about it because the American public generally is very sensitive and the NRA picks up on these things. Yeah. And they, they make a big stink and they have a huge lobby, so nothing comes of it. But if you sneak it in, you kind of do it one step at a time. We already know that you could ban the uh, hunting in, in, in Canada, so you know you can get that far because the, the legislators up there are clueless and, and kind of just ruin a bunch of businesses for this, like they said, a well, you know, one of the things people that, you know, say, well, it's, it's killing these animals. People don't realize, for example, that the only reason that we have so many ducks in the United States and they're so well, you know, they breed and they do so well is because of Ducks Unlimited. Ducks Unlimited, which is a hunting group, does everything they can to protect duck areas where the ducks have to go and breed and do all these different things. They burn them, you know, there's certain grasslands that have to be burned mm -hmm. and they get special permits to do it. We have a couple of them in our area. And, um, uh, and these hunters have actually improved the number, probably increased the number of viable ducks and types of ducks. And it's a very, uh, a very kind of an organic process. I mean, they, they're not just crazy guys going into the woods and shooting everything they can. They want, you know, you don't, if you shoot up all the ducks, you don't have any ducks to shoot. So, uh, but people don't appreciate any of this stuff. As far as they're concerned, it's just, you know, it's just brutal. We're shooting ducks out of the air. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a disgusting situation situation yeah it's uh well it is it is the way it works you know baby steps ahead one bit at a time and this is and i don't think i, I think i don't think this is going to work by the way i mean it's going to stall well we'll see well i sure hope so ah, i have a phone call oh why don't you go take that why don't you uh, talk to the audience while i hang up the phone <laughs> meanwhile i'm getting text messages here one of my friends had a baby that's great. That's very cool. I'll have to congratulate him on the daily source code, which, by the way, is going to kick off again next week. I'm getting prepared. And uh, a lot of people have been asking me, like, uh, is it going to be just like no agenda only without John as a counterbalance? Uh, no, I'm going to do something completely different. Uh, oh, who would say that anyway? What? I mean, who, would, who, who, who said that? Uh, idiots. <laughs> the people who always listen to my show my fans dude are you kidding me uh, yeah, i love them what's the business model going to be uh well let me think how would i just do a show i just i promise to do a show this is what it's all about i want to move into a whole new new phase of my life you know uh was tell me why don't you help me out what what is the business model going to be how about uh just continue to support no agenda or That's the no agenda stream yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I am going to put it up live on the stream when I do it, of course. Okay, so here's, uh, we do have to do one little piece of business oh. before I get to the real meaty story. Okay, yeah, you got you were been brewing on a big one. Ugh, it's been taking me, all week I spent on this thing, I kept digging and digging, I finally got the smoking gun, which is the part I really appreciated. Um, so, uh, Daniel Wheaton, uh, who's this 
the guy, the kid, the kid who does this public speaking. Yeah, he was our, uh, our yeah. yeah. Let me get this. He was our associate. Yeah. We we had two quotes in a couple of shows, and we actually said this a number of times, but he doesn't have the exact date of the quote. One so so this is this is the this is the uh, the high school student who was our PR executive last week, and who's done this wonderful competitive speaking speech based upon a lot of things he's learned actually here uh, on No Agenda. And it's just beautiful to hear this kid talk. But yeah, he actually needed us to do something. Yeah, he needed us to say these things so he can say, "Well, they said it on this show." Because apparently, <laughs> we're not faking anything at all. This stuff. <laughs> they, I listened to show one seventy, and they didn't say it then. They said it in show one seventy. You're wrong. I know how these kids are. All right, so he he needs us to say two things. So yeah, he he, could, wants, he needs you to say programming yeah, is just the stuff yeah, that's in the here. time between commercials, which you say all the time. Yeah. In fact, just so you know, programming is just the stuff that fills in the time between the commercials. Right, and I always say we must realize that news is relative. There you go. We fulfilled but, our you know, obligations. I, I, I don't even understand that quote, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say it. <laughs> I know. I think I've said it, but I don't know why. <laughs> well, who cares? Yeah, who cares? We're helping a kid out. You know what? I hope we help. This is what I like. If you look at the chat room and you look at and you say, how old is everybody? It's literally from 15 to like 70. It's fantastic. Yeah. The community that, and it has nothing to, it has nothing to do with age or where you live. People from all over the world are listening to this program. They feel that something is happening inside them when we help them look through a little bit of the news. And sometimes it takes a while for people to see what's actually happening. Like Gerd Wilders, this is going to go on for a while. People are going to call me Hitler. They're going to call you Goebbels. And we're, and like, oh, we're propagandizing this guy. Goebbels. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be a great Goebbels, actually. Well, you know, you know. Curiously, I have read Goebbels because, uh, of course, you if you remember- want to know what marketing is all about, he he was the grandmaster. Absolutely, uh, he actually. What happened with the, with the Hitler propaganda machine and why Goebbels became so important is that the Germans and anyone, if you want to have some fun, go to the Library of Congress and look up the old posters, the old propaganda posters from World War One. Uh, the, the Americans were seen as the great world's greatest propagandists, and uh, because we are, we were absolutely fan. We, we got the public into a war that wasn't and nobody really wanted to get involved with. We didn't even like the English, and in, in, in uh, we still don't. Ni- in 1915, <laughs> we hated them. In yeah. fact, they were still blamed, which is now forgotten because nobody brings this up anymore. Hold on a second. Uh, they're still blamed for the Civil War. Uh, if you look at, if you read Civil War the texts that were um, from the uh, pre World War One, all of them blame the British and the French for uh, conspiring to split up the United States. Is a common thesis, and the French would get the southern part, and that's why they installed Maximilian as the as the guy in Mexico. He was the, the emperor of Mexico. They dropped his French dropped his guy in there because the Mexicans with Maximilian were going to take over and, and manage the southern part of the United States from the you know the, the Confederate states, and the British, with the help of the Canadians who were on the British side, were going to manage the northern part they were going to split things up and part of the reason for that was that the french and the british realized that once we found gold in california they wanted the gold 
So the Civil War was largely, wasn't completely incited by them, but there's a lot of evidence that they were encouraging it. And it wasn't until Lincoln actually dropped, there was a bunch of social movements going on in England in particular. And once, um, and once uh, Lincoln freed the slaves and made it, and then turned the war, uh, kind of the war message into an anti-slavery message, the British had to get out of it because they were, uh, you know, they couldn't be associated with the promoting the continuation of slavery for various social reasons that were taking place in the country because there was a bunch of uh, a lot of movements going on and the French bailed out too and that was the end of it I'll tell so, you John if I was a nerdy chick with horn room glasses I'd be like I'd be like all over <laughs> you now I'd be like oh I'm, I'm so hot for you now You, I love it when you do that man when you lay into some history like that it's like no you don't get that anywhere else I love it so anyway so before World War One, we were still pissed at the British we were we hated them, and so and then uh, and so what happens is that uh, we turn on the pro- Americans. We, you know, we started the public relations firms. We're the top in all kinds of things, and uh, we turn on. We start turning up the uh, the the propaganda machine. Which makes make makes the Soviets look like you know two bit jokers, and. You look at these posters, and they just basically portray the Germans as a bunch of gorillas, literally, uh, coming over to rape our women. By the way, and- just speaking of that, uh, the Dutch had 400 bicycles in Vancouver that were donated by the, I guess it was the, the busing companies, and uh, they were all stolen. <laughs> It's just so funny. The Dutch want their bikes back again, <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, anyway. So anyway, so the uh, so when the uh, Nazis came into power. Uh, I don't know how, actually, I don't have the connection between Goebbels and Hitler, but, but they were very concerned that, they, that we were going to pull another one of these stunts and then turn it, the whole world against Hitler. So Goebbels, who's a parent, was a student of American propaganda, took over the propaganda machine and, and made it so they were dominating in propaganda. And we were actually kind of lax at the time uh, because we were, you know, falling into, we were in a depression and we had some other issues. And so Goebbels, actually kind of was a very interesting propagandist and he has a lot of interesting thoughts on the matter if anyone's in the marketing or uh, public relations it would you could do worse than reading uh, Goebbels has a lot of essays about it how how he does it why it's important he bitches about the Americans in World War one and he talks about his rationale it's very it's actually quite unique it's good reading so speaking of uh, proper propagandizing, you know that guy. So there was this nine one one tape that was released uh, about a guy who's in a Prius and he's driving on uh, somewhere near San Diego and his accelerator gets stuck. And of course, this comes exactly one day after Toyota says, "Hey, wait a minute, you know we can't reproduce this uh, this uh, computer or electronic fault you speak of." Um. And uh, so then all of a sudden, you know, this has got to be propaganda. In fact, it sounds like it's 23 minutes, by the way. I think I'll upload the whole thing. And, of course, we can't play it all for you. But I think, uh, and I'm a a little unprepared, but if you just listen to, if you listen to the whole thing and not, you know, the all 23 minutes and not just the little bit they're playing on television, it it, it makes no sense. This doesn't sound like a 911 operator to me. And, and before you play it, we posted this story with some video from one of the stations on the blog, and yeah. we got about like 60, 70 comments. And 
I would say 90% of the commenters <clears throat> all believe this to be bogus. I mean, it's not as though the public is buying this. Yeah, let me just but see they, if I can get into the meat of this. Where are you? So, this is how, so we don't even have the actual calling in, which is always dodgy. But, okay, where are you? And just, li- just listen real quick. How quickly she gets into – she's like a, like a Toyota like – like a Prius uh, mechanic. Sir, I need to know where you are. Highway 80. East. Eastbound? On Old? Okay, sir. You're eastbound on Old 80? Sir. Okay, Dunbar. Okay, so you're eastbound 8, passing Dunbar. And by the way, I couldn't find Sir? any Dunbar on uh, eastbound Sir, 8. Sir, you need to talk to me. Mm. Sir. I just want you to listen to this. Hello? Sir, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, just say yes or no. You're eastbound 8, passing Dunbar? Yep. Yeah. What kind of car are you in? I heard a Toyota. What color is it? Blue. Blue? What kind of Toyota? What kind of Toyota? Prius. A Prius? Yeah. And what's going on? Is your accelerator stuck? Yeah. No. (laughs) What's wrong? Oh, is your accelerator? Yeah, so the guy calls up. It, you, know, it, you know, the first you sound like you've been shot. Are you okay? Is are you have you been kidnapped? No, Toyota Prius blue. Is your accelerator stuck? Yeah, I, I, I've, yes. tried to pull, yeah, yeah. I've tried to pull it back, pull back. I, I put the, on the brakes and, and it, the car shuddered. I'm pretty Okay, how fast are you going? 80 something. You're going 80 miles an hour? 81 now. 81? And it's still stuck? Yes. Okay, what is your name? Okay. What? You're doing 80, oh, 81 miles an hour, and it's still stuck. Uh, What's your name? We want to make sure the news media gets it. Jim? Oh, Jim. What's your phone phone number? What's your your phone number? She said 911. Even I have caller ID. What? That's crap. That is absolute bogus. Sir? What is your phone number? Okay, well, so I'll, I'll put the thing in the show notes. There's a couple other gems in here, unfortunately, because of my uh, my iPhone issues. I wasn't able to edit it out. So here's what else is on, on this recording. So she then says, you know, try and pull it out. You know, try and is it stuck behind the floor mat? And then she's like, okay, I need you to hold down your your starter switch for five seconds. Why don't you tell him that immediately? Of course. Meanwhile, the guy's doing 80 or 90, uh, apparently. There's no cop. This is the only time you can do 90 for 25 minutes and there's no cop anywhere. And then at one point, he's like... Near the end, he's like, okay, I I see a, a border patrol. Yes, we had called the border patrol, sir. What? What? You called the border patrol? This is this is this is so much bullcrap. This guy, by the way, and I can't find the article, but I will find it for the show notes. He was a lottery winner at one point, who actually was supposed to be in a reality show. This this stinks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Let me see. The guy is uh, is he Jeff Sykes? Uh, Jim Sykes, I think. Hold on a second. Let me just Google that real fast. Real fast. Uh, Jim Sykes, Prius reality show lottery yeah he was a lottery winner 
Um, here it is. Yeah, hey, Jim, it. we like the way you jumped up and down when you won the lottery. Uh, we think we got, we can do a reality show, but you know, you got to prove your acting ability a little more. Can you, uh, we got an idea. According to uh, published reports, the 61 year old real estate executive, longtime lottery player who won $55,000 and was, and was selected in 2006 to appear in a California lottery TV game show. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, now I've actually had, um, my break, my emergency break, a hang. Um, this was actually, it was on the rolls actually, and a cop pulled me over, and I was on the New Jersey Turnpike, and I'd been driving for about half an hour, and he says, "Your car is on fire." I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I, and I turn around, and it's like, and there's smoke coming off of my rear wheels. It's unbelievable because you know it, uh, it had just been hanging a little bit. It, it somehow, you know, a weird Rolls Royce thing, right? I'm so happy I don't have to deal with expensive cars anymore. And so I see all these pictures of this Toyota Prius roped off like it's a crime scene with yellow tape. And, you know, because he says at one point, oh, I can smell my brakes. Dude, if you've been on the brakes for 23 minutes the entire uh, time of this call, your car is on fire. Okay, your your brakes are burning. There is actual smoke. No, this this story is bogus. Totally bogus, and when and it's like she's reading from a script. The guy gets all the information in the beginning, and then there's like 20 minutes of him just Can going. Can I have uh, your phone uh, number uh, in the middle of this instead of uh, telling him to push the button? Yeah. Hey, you're doing 81 miles an hour. What's your phone number? What's your name? Hi. How you doing? Sir, I need your phone number. <laughs> Why? Why does she need the phone number? For what? For what reason? To send him his check. <laughs> okay, what's your what's your cell phone number? I can't pull phone six one nine. Okay, I'm notifying an officer right now. I need you to stay on the phone with me, okay? So that's two minutes into it, and the cop doesn't actually come up until like twenty minutes later. Wow. And he's doing ninety anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's total bull, and I'm just going to assert my theory one more time: is that this is a Huge warning to the Japanese to shut up. To shut up and just take our debt. Otherwise, we're <laughs> going to bring debt and like it. That's yeah, and love it. Or we're going to bring down all 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 of your companies. We're going to bring it down, bitch. That's all that. And of course, the car companies are now into it. They're like, oh crap, this is great. Let's go oh, screw yeah. those guys. Oh yeah, excellent. I've never owned cars better made than Toyota than Lexuses. And yeah, you can just drive them into the ground. I mean, I do some research, and you can buy a Lexus, buy an old used Lexus with 100,000 miles on it, put 200,000 more on it. It's unbelievable. It's a very well-made product, built to last. Rock on. Rock on. So let's get to the meaty story for this week. Yeah, because you, uh, you're all over something big. You, you've been teasing yeah, there's, me with there's this. A, there's, this story involves a, a, a bad – here's the drama. There seems to be a, an, uh, a, a sudden emergence of a turf war between Reuters and AP, a bogus story that was planted by either the, the, the Obama administration, Homeland Security, the CIA, I don't know who. Uh, that part I don't have, but I do have the evidence that it's, it's totally it's okay. Now, now, fabricated. Now, uh, let, me, let me just say something about uh, these news services. So probably, I'm just going to guess, 90% of the news that you read or hear about comes from the wire services. And uh, there's 
two main ones, Reuters and Associated Press. Um, there, there are ownership structures and management structures in place, and even though they are usually devoid of any opinion when they report something on the wire, uh, they have been known certainly of late to retract stories all of a sudden. Uh, that you know there are forces going on behind these these newswire services, but they are seen as the absolute truth and uh, and oh let's all bow to the news service because it's Reuters we're sure that they know exactly what they're saying. Well, Reuters they, has always had the reputation of being a CIA front. Yeah, well, wouldn't it make sense because every single newspaper and every, every television and radio station they all take this and they just rewrite it a little bit even if they even do that. And this is their news. It's called a news service. You buy this so you don't have to have reporters go out and do something. And, the, and this information right. is taken and, and disseminated all over the place. I mean, from the Wall yeah, Street the Journal way, to USA Today. Yeah. By the way, the Reuters guys are fantastic because I've worked with them before. But I'm just saying this has oh, his reputation. Ass. What the hell is that all about? I'm just saying because I've worked with you. Hey, aren't you calling us the CIA guys? Okay. So let anyway, me say let's it. Get there are the possible CIA shills. I'll say it. Not to be. So Reuters broke the story about Colleen LaRose. Oh, this is uh, Jihad Jane? Jihad Jane, Fatima LaRose, this and that. He has a bunch of names. So uh, I'm starting to look into the story, and uh, it's it's going along you know, pretty pretty evenly. Uh, and they have, all, they have all this stuff, and then I start spotting a meme, which I'll get into in a minute. But before the meme... Well, let's do the meme first. Well, let, let, me, let me give you my experience. I woke up yesterday morning. I flip on the television. I love watching HLN. I was in a hotel in San Francisco. Headline news. Yes, HLN, because you know, then you can go all the way from Corey Haim dying to uh, Jihad Jane. I'm like, well, this is interesting. I go downstairs to have some breakfast. I get the Wall Street Journal. Front page of the journal, Jihad Jane. This is a business newspaper. Which, by the way, yeah. is, owned, is owned by Murdoch now. I might want to. Point well, we've out. already busted the Wall Street Journal from the last week, but the um, uh, this is apparently she. By the way, there's one picture that kept floating around that, that kept flo- that the, that the Reuters kept pushing on everybody, which was a picture of of Jihad Jane in her normal blonde, creepy looking. Right, and then 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 with her wearing a burqa. Two different ones of her wearing a burqa. One with the with the just actually the hijab, that thing over the head, and then the one where she's all she sees she's her eyeballs. And this picture, which I'm looking at right now, the, and they're three right next to each other. They they they're all earmarked by one uh, physical aspect of her face. So they, you could say, well, it's probably the same person. You don't know. It could be her both. eyebrows. Not her eyebrows, because in the last picture, you see her eyes. It's a little ridge. Oh, right, the, right. The bridge right of her nose. Her nose. Right, but right. anyway, so there she is. It's a blonde, and she's got hazel eyes here. In the middle picture, she's got brown eyes. And in the right picture, where she's completely covered, except for her eyes, she's got bright blue eyes. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. Now, um, the funny thing is, is that if you're a Wahhabist or a Salafist or one of these extremists. Or a falafel, whatever. You do not adornment is out. So she been she and she's got tons of eye makeup on. It doesn't make any sense. She's wearing a ring. She's got all this. this the whole thing is 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 kind of sketchy from that regard. And the other thing that I noticed immediately is that this woman was supposed to be 
a, a, a you know homegrown terrorist uh, terrorist uh, Muslim turned terrorist or whatever. We never. At least, to, as far as I can tell, to this minute, we never find out what mosque she went to. Oh, that we would be actual out. reporting, John. No, that would be crazy. We we never find we didn't have to report because it was just a Reuters story. We never found out when she was converted. We never, you know, which is typical, you know, somebody told, oh, she was converted such and such, and then they talk to their parents, they go, oh, she she was she was a good girl until she went this way or that way. Now the thing keeps going on as though they were trying to kill this guy, uh, this this. Swedish cartoonist Lars Vilks, which is interesting because it wasn't a, a, a Danish cartoonist. No, he's Swedish. This was a Swedish cartoon just run recently. Right, that's what I'm. That's my point. It's like we now we have, so we're bringing two memes in. So now we yeah, have cartoonists uh, are bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Screw uh, them, the damn cartoonists. Damn cartoonists, always. Crazy, crazy anyway, so this people. whole thing, I'm sorry to see it being orchestrated because there was one meme that kept cropping up, and I, I started first time I saw, I didn't think much of it. Can, can, I, can I just say that what I thought immediately, which is clearly not what you picked up on, is, oh, okay, homegrown terrorist. Look, she's white. She's got blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, more reason to uh, follow the new, uh, was it the new Biden bill where uh, anyone can get picked up, called an enemy combatant of the state, uh, and you can be incarcerated indefinitely without any Miranda rights. I'm like, oh, it makes total sense, of course. And, and by the way, I'm white, I'm blonde, I've got blue eyes, I'm next. <laughs> well, that's maybe why they made her eyes blue. So anyway, so but I started spotting two memes. One of them was a sub-meme, which I didn't think was going to mean too much, but they kept referring to her as being from the suburbs. She's suburban, so the, the danger Ooh, lurks everywhere. Yes, but the meme that, that, that kept coming up in every single story, and then I did a, a Google search for the meme in quotes, so I only got the meme, 32,000 incidents of this meme. And then I went to treehugger.com, and I have this in the show notes. If you click on it, all they have is the meme. There's not even the story. It was just quote of the day. And here's the meme. And this meme, by the way, is... Uh, uh, it's brought to you by Coca-Cola. Farhad, uh, Jihad Jane's arrest, uh, quote, The Telegraph, uh, Sky News. I'm looking at, at one source after another. The meme comes from Attorney General Michael Levy. And it's, and it's word for word in 32,000 instances. It's in every report at the beginning. It started to disappear. Shatters any lingering thought that we can spot a terrorist based on appearance. Right. The telegraph. Shatters any lingering thought that we can spot a terrorist based on appearance. Reuters shatters any lingering thought. Okay, so so I got thirty two thousand instances. The Daily Kos has it. The Radio Free Europe has it. Phillyburbs dot com has this exact same quote over and over and over. Now and it, and I'm looking at the Google right now. It, indeed, it, it even they even use the shatters word every single time. You don't know shatters is in there. Shatters every- any lingering thought we can spot a terrorist based on appearance. Okay, this so is that's a, the meme. Yeah. Now the curious thing, <laughs> which I thought was amusing, is that this meme, which was slammed into every report of this woman. The Daily Telegraph in the UK, apparently when they were reading the talking points or something or whoever they got it from, they got a little, either they got mixed up or somebody screwed up. So you have shatters 
any lingering thought that we can spot a terrorist based on appearance, same quote, but done by David Chris, an assistant attorney general in the National Security Division. So it's a different guy. It's a different guy. Huh. So now we have this exact same meme they're trying to force down. By the way, this is, is a depressing story I'm, I'm revealing because it just indicates that we haven't got a prayer of change. I mean, we have our little group of listeners and all that. But when you can get a meme out there like this 32,000 times into the public domain and, and everybody's just repeating it, it's on Fox, it's every place else, shatters any lingering thought that we can, you know, in other words, they're saying, well, you know, it's too much trouble to do. We not, no more profiling. It's not, and it's not about the profiling. It's the fact that they can now. Now intimidate and continue to intimidate the public at the airport and every place else they want to. Because, well, I don't know, you can't spot a terrorist. And this woman is proof positive. This woman that we don't know anything about. Okay, now the, the, now the war breaks out between the AP and Reuters. AP. Somebody at the AP picked up on the fact that this woman had a boyfriend. And they met in Texas, and the first reports were that they met in 2008, and they moved to Philadelphia or to Pennsylvania, and, uh, like you know, in the few years in the few years that ensued. But then it became in the more recent reports they've been together for five years. So AP starts harping on one aspect of this: the boyfriend. He he keeps saying, "I don't know. I've never seen her even pray. She's never talked about religion. She's never left the country. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that." Ooh. So. So, so he's saying that this woman who is a crazy Muslim turned somehow into this, this terrorist that we can't, you know, that shatters every lingering thought that we can spot one of these people. For, for five years, she didn't do her five times a day prayer. She never talks about a religion. She doesn't go to the mosque. She doesn't do any of these things. And the boyfriend's absolutely baffled by the fact that she disappeared one day because they picked her up at, according to most reports, they grabbed her at her house, even though the two of them lived in an apartment. I don't know if they went to the apartment, grabbed her. It's all sketchy. And then she apparently took his passport, which they grabbed, and, and, and then decided to, to uh, charge her with trying to do some sort of um, identity theft. So, so AP, so AP then, clearly was not on board with the program. They messed up and they let something no, slip out, which is right. pertinent AP information. Was, Right. AP was left out of the loop. They, they decided to do some reporting or somebody in the AP combine, which is all the newspapers, ran it, tracked down this boyfriend and brought him into the story, screwing the story up completely. Now, and now, of course, Reuters still hasn't like got nobody talks about the boyfriend. So the boyfriend's going on and on about this is, you know, he's, he's just I'm confused. I've never seen her do this. She doesn't pray. She doesn't talk about being a Muslim. She doesn't go to a Muslim. She doesn't do anything. So so what? She's asleep herself from somewhere back when for five years. She also moved around a few times and now she's under arrest. And so so now I'm thinking the story is very interesting because it's obviously an orchestrated story designed to put this one meme out there that, oh, the leader thoughts we can't spot a terrorist because here look at this blonde woman who's going to somehow for some reason out of the blue if like she what does she read swedish newspapers that she even knows about <laughs> this this cartoonist and the way the story goes yeah. she, she online she ran into somebody from asia and let me let me tell you if, if, I'm, if i'm pissed off jihadist i got other things to do than go after cartoonists but okay you know that's uh that's just my thought
And so, meanwhile, she set up a bunch of guys in, in Ireland, a bunch of, and that story, by the way, could take me to another half hour of, of, of discussion because there's evidence that the first reports about these Irish guys that were arrested, I think, by the way, she was a honeypot. That's my basic. When I saw her, I thought she looks like uh, Sharon Stone playing a CIA operative after a night of drinking. That's what I look, yeah, it That's does look exactly like that. What she looks like. But anyway, she's obviously a honeypot to catch some people for some reason or another, and then they're you know, and they just they kind of messed it up. The whole thing is a, is a disaster. And I'll, then I'll get to the to my absolute proof of this in a minute. But anyway, so they so the reports to these guys that they busted in Ireland, which were the guys who bought into let's go kill this this guy in Sweden, which is like geez. That were the initial reports again from the news sources that are questionable talked about him being like you know a, a, a Yemeni and a this and a that and a couple of Irish converts to Muslim you know a couple of those converts you can't spot them because they don't look like you know they look like you and me and so that was you know trying they to look, they, they look like Conan O'Brien Irish uh, national uh, TV station if I have that I actually have the printout of it they uh yeah i'll never find it but they finally confirmed that they were just they're all yemenis and i guess it was a somalian or something they were just these you know these dummies mm-hmm. and there wasn't any of this you know this the, the, what they're trying to create which is we're, we're all potentially terrorists and we should all be locked up okay so, so let me just just stop you for a second i want you to get on i want you to punch it all the way home so what what we are showing here and you're about to give some real amazing proof i believe is that Reuters is completely controlled. The messaging is, this was very well orchestrated. All, all the, the ports were open. They got this out. They, it was blasted out in like a, a massive, uh, well, it's a news, it's a news service. So it was like a big email blast. Everyone picks this up. Everyone's on board. Everyone who has reprinted this story has done it without any investigation except one guy somewhere from the AP who said, Oh, I think maybe I will call this boyfriend. Let me try this out. Uh, he, by the way, is probably laying by the side of the road somewhere. <laughs> he totally messed up. And, uh, and, and the whole idea is, is to, let us all think to make us think to train us into understanding that a terrorist is not someone you can just look at and say oh that guy might be a terrorist because it could be sharon stone after a night of binge drinking well the ap guy by the side of the road is actually mary claire dale so I'll give her credit for at least getting that part of it out there. Once she got that one thing about the boyfriend out, then, then it started taking off. And then AP started pumping stories out uh, about the boyfriend. But anyway, so I'm thinking, well, you know, this is an interesting orchestrated thing. But how orchestrated was this? So I run into, uh, I just by coincidence, I'm looking at the guy who wrote this up for the New York Times, who doesn't mention the boyfriend either, Charlie, Charlie Savage. And I look at all his articles, and I notice he has on March 9th, when the story first broke, uh, Pennsylvania woman tied to plot on cartoonist. Prosecutors accused Colin R. LaRose, who called herself Jihad Jane, of involvement in a plot with militants, blah, 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 blah. Then, on March 10th, the next day, Charlie Savage bylines, Pennsylvania woman tied to a plot on cartoonist. Prosecutors accu- accu- accused Char- Carly- Colleen LaRose, who called herself Jihad Jane, of involvement in a plot with t- uh, militants, blah, blah, blah. What well, they're running the story twice. It didn't get any any uh, traction, 
And then, so they ran it again, and it seems as though most of the action was taking place on March 10th. So I decided to do, I'm thinking, this is kind of weird. So I decided to do a date range search and just eliminate everything from March 9th and 10th. I found references on the 3rd and the 4th of March to this story that were all pulled. Aha. Uh-huh. See? You find them on the internet, you know, the references are there, and then you go to the sites, the, the site, the page gone. is gone. Gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any evidence. All I have is just kind of, because the, these links, you know, it could be, you know, the way that Google works, you never know. And I'm thinking, well, what, would ha- what happened on the 3rd and the 4th? They were going to roll this out as an orchestrated thing. What happened on the 3rd and the 4th that would have said, oh, God, pull it back. We got to move this up a week. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh man, you're you're blowing my mind now. So you're about to tell me that they are so orchestrated with getting their memes out into the news that they actually had launched this but pulled it back because they had some other thing that either happened or someone hadn't read the calendar properly or there was an emergency call saying, "Oh, so, so, I mean, this is uh, this is outrageous." March 3rd, Massa says he will not seek oh. re-election in November oh, because he's fighting a recurrence of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Politico reports that the House Ethics Committee is looking into allegations that Massa made unwanted advances toward a male aide. March 3rd, the day this was supposed to roll. Oh, man. So, March 5th, Mass is in the top of the news. He's getting all the attention. Rush Limbaugh, everybody on Fox, all the CNN people, blah, blah, blah. March 5th, he's still in the news. March 7th, Mass accuses Democratic leaders of orchestrating his ouster. Now, that's where he brings out the, the thing about Rahm Emanuel naked in the, in the, you know, inside the gym locker, inside of the showers. Right, and, right. So March 7th, that, who's going to top that news? March 8th, Massa officially resigns. Okay, we're clear. March 9th, let's go with the story. Now, which is exactly what happened. Now, so I'm saying, well, I don't have any much proof of this. Boom, bingo. I run into the indictment on an obscure website. I've copied it. We have a link to the show notes. The indictment is dated March 4th and should have been covered that day. So there was a preliminary news report about what was going to go down from the grand jury on March 3rd. March 4th, the indictment is dated March 4th. That's when they were going to roll the story. They had to pull it back because this Massa character got into the way. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) It's worse than I thought it was. That's what I was thinking. Oh, my God. Well, okay. we do have a uh, link to the indictment. I have a copy of it if, if, it, if the link goes down. But we have a link, and you can take a look at it. It says March 4th. <sighs> That's when it was reported, given to the press on the silver platter after the, they're going to do a prelim on the 3rd and the 4th. And this Kamasa thing is just too big of a story. They couldn't put up with it. Now they got their meme out, you know, on t- you know just to have to wait a week. And they couldn't probably put it off too long, much longer. So they had to force Massa to, you know, shut up and get out of town. So there is the only other guy who actually sees this, but in the incorrect way, uh, is Patrick Kennedy, who uh, who was speaking yesterday in the House, and and he, and I'm sure you've seen the the video by now. He he goes completely nuts because you know this is the whole Dennis Kucinich. We talked about this in the last show. Uh, you know, is trying to uh, have Congress stop all wars, which yeah, okay, good luck. Um, 
And Patrick Kennedy gets up and he says the following. Anybody wants to know where cynicism is, cynicism is that there's one, two press people in this gallery. We're talking about Eric Massa 24-7 on the TV. We're talking about war and peace, $3 billion, a thousand lives, and no press. <laughs> so he's uh, no, he's right, of course. You know, and, and how crazy is it that the only people watching this discussion about stopping these illegal wars is uh, two people in the press gallery and Adam and John watching C-SPAN? I mean, it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's about right. It's a, it's very very sad when you think about it. But this it's pathetic. is pathetic. But this is just outrageous. That so I would I'd have to call this proof actual proof. That they set everything up, they were ready to roll with it, and then they pulled it back because, oh, wait a minute, you know, breaking news, there's something else we can use. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, think, I, think that, I don't think, I think the Masa thing, they cut him off guard, so they had to pull, pull back yeah, everything. Yeah, of course they did. Cause they, like, they, mean, they, cause I don't think Masa was part of the scheme. It was just, oh, brother, kind of thing. So how, but, so how does, so, but is there but a Goebbels the way, behind the way, all this? By the way, I'm, I don't know, but, 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 but I'm going to say this. I'm glad I got the, the, I think, a smoking gun with the, the indictment on dated the 4th. But it was the meme. I don't care whether it even was a, or a smoking gun or not. It's this, try, this attempt to put this meme into the public consciousness that we can't, that, every, that everybody's a terrorist. That every American, every red-blooded patriotic American is potentially a terrorist. This is just a bad thing to do to the public. You know, when I flew back from uh, Gitmo Lowlands... So this was a flight originating at Schiphol Airport, the same airport where the crotch bomber uh, got on board. Uh, I went through security. No naked body scanner. None whatsoever. They only had they had two uh, regular ports. And I will say that they were hand searching everyone who came through. But let me tell you, the guy did not touch my crotch. And I was waiting. I'm like, okay, bad boy. <laughs> waiting and anticipating. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, I don't want you to touch my crotch, big bad boy. And he didn't touch my crotch. I'm like, well, this makes no sense. It wasn't this the whole point was to, you know, they have them. I, when I flew to, to London, I had to go through one. But they don't have, it's, it's like, it's like a big joke, a big freaking joke. It's it's all a lie. It's all theater. And now you're right. Now anyone can be a terrorist. You can't tell a terrorist just by looking at him. Oh my God! Hey, by the way, I I, I learned something very important about these naked body scanners. They it, work. No, <laughs> well, it hit me. It hit me yesterday as I was thinking about all this. Um, so I went through the naked body scanner. I told you about that with my daughter going to London. I'm like, I don't want to make any problems. So I'll just go through. By the way, it was a really funny cartoon. I wish I could have taken a picture because my hair looked really crazy on the cartoon. Uh, it was a very interesting outline of my hair. But remember when I said there were two spots, uh, which turned out to be the back, my backside and one because I had my passport and my ticket and I made a joke. It was my enormous sh- schwanch, which was, uh, which was uh, bound all the way back there, but there was another one on the left-hand side, on the on the uh, above my buttock on the left, and I, and I'm thinking about it I'm like I had my passport and my ticket in my pocket. I had nothing in my left-hand pocket, and so I go to my jeans, and on the left-hand side where that little orange blotch was is a label. Guess what's in that label? Oh, an, an RFID tag. RFID tag. Exactly. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. 
Could it be that the, that these scanners are doing a little bit more? Could they be uh, recording the RFID tag? Because, you know, of course, RFID tags are in all kinds of things, including clothing. And I remember I said, hey, what's that spot? And the lady said, I ah, don't worry about that. And now I'm like, wait a minute. You know, they could be taking my art. So, you know, if, if anything you have on you, then basically it's a tracking mechanism, possibly. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of RFID stories cropping up here and there, which are kind of, you know, that's another thing that's bothering me. They're, they're trying to make people, you know, well, it's good for the dog and maybe your kid won't get kidnapped. I mean, they're trying to get the public into the, with memes again, propaganda. We're the best in the world at it. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get the public into thinking uh, that's a, that sounds like a good idea. I think that's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. yeah, that way, if my dog gets lost, what? What? They're gonna track your dog down for with a satellite? No, nobody's gonna give a crap. You know, <laughs> let's meanwhile, face it. Meanwhile, if you actually want to say something, I just want to play this little bit of uh, audio. Uh, another UKIP Minister of European Parliament, um, who, you know, of course, we know our guy uh, Nigel Farage, who uh, who was fined three thousand euros for calling the president uh, uh, someone who looks like a, a low-level bank clerk and has the personality of a dish rag. Uh, so William Dartmouth, listen what happens, and he's not even insulting people. Listen how freedom of speech is just completely cut off now in European Parliament because they cut his mic off. As he uh, lays into uh, Baroness Ashton, she's this uh, crazy uh, minister of foreign affairs who is like, you know, a super elite who, uh, by the way, has a, a jet now and a staff of 20 and she's <laughs> completely taking over the United States of Europe. Listen to how they just cut uh, his The mic European off. Union wants a comprehensive Arctic policy. This proposition is entirely bizarre. Cyprus and Greece, for example, have historic cultures. But look at the geography. It's really rather hard to understand. Uh, by the way, what he, do, he, he slips it in, right? So they're talking about something else. Why a country on the Aegean Sea needs there to be an EU policy on the Arctic. But an EU pol Arctic policy is perhaps not so bizarre as the appointment of the supremely unqualified Baroness Ashton, the Sarah Palin of the ex-student left, as High Representative. At the hearings, it was clear that the High Representative has forgotten nothing and has learnt nothing. And by the way... So, turns his mic off. I'm sorry, but I don't think we should listen to personal comments like that in this chamber. He's yelling. He's, they just turn his mic off. No, your, your speaking time has finished. We will not have personal comments of that nature. I will now move to the next. I will, I will move to the next. I will move. I will now oh, yeah. move to the next speaker. There's Unbelievable. This is you Parliament. Know, this is <laughs> I, I was watching the, uh, the minister's question time, uh, prime minister question time last night, and it was great. You know, you've got the, 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 the conservatives and the Labour Party, and they're yelling, they're screaming, and everything's okay. But the minute you get up to uh, the real, which I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to call it Starfleet Command anymore, by the oh, way. Oh, we'll read that note in a minute. Yeah, some Trekkies are angry at me. But I'll, let me just for argument's sake call it Starfleet Trekkers. Command. When you get up to that level, 
then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shut up, slave. We're in control. And you see this shot. You have to see this video. I'll put it in the show notes at noagendashow.com. You see Baroness Ashton, who I, I'd never seen. Man, oh, my God. Oh, she's, she's hideous. This woman is, uh, she's frightening. Absolutely. Oh, really? fr- oh, my God. You think Baroness Ashton, you think, like, it's going to be a hot, milfy cougar bitch. No, no. No, she, she's got the chip firmly embedded. Mm. Oh. Well, I'll read the little clip here from one of our donors. Uh, and maybe we should go into that s- segment. Yeah. Dear John and Adam, I could do it in the voice, but I'm not going to do it in re- to, with respect to Ben Brown. I have noticed that recently you have started referring to the European Commission as Starfleet Command. On behalf of Star Trek nerds everywhere, I'd like to humbly point out a flaw in your analogy. Starfleet is the military-slash-peacekeeping branch for the larger governing body known as the United Federation of Planets. The UFP is led by the Federation Council, not Starfleet Command. I think it would be more accurate and appropriate to refer to the European Commission as the Federation Council and save Starfleet Command for the EU's military. To let you know I'm serious, I'm including a $50 donation with this note. What do you think? So, I mean, I, I, you I, know, I don't it, think it's going to roll off the tongue. It doesn't. That's the whole problem. It doesn't sound right. You know, it's only a reference. It's a passing reference. Don't take it too seriously, yeah, boys. Really? So we have, uh, okay, we have an interesting plot dilemma on our hands. Well, first let me uh, say, before we get into this, um, great job on the, uh, on the uncovering of the meme injection by, uh, by Reuters. Uh, and uh, we'll make a special heading in the show notes so that you can actually follow along. We'll have the uh, the Massa indictment. We'll have everything all set up for you so you can see how this is done and how you cannot trust anything that you're reading. And or, by the way, we're going to, to do, uh, Adam and I are going to work on a, uh, we have a project, a sub-project, where we're going to work on some uh, some literature for you to read that will help you deconstruct and uh, some of the things that we've been doing, so you can do this yourself. I mean, I'm actually surprised nobody spotted this, uh, although, why be surprised? No, really, you're, you're actually, you know, it takes two two old dudes <laughs> to sit around and, and Google stuff to figure it out. You know, meanwhile, what, what is a journalist at the New York Times? make like $170,000 a year actually they make about 120 typically I take so, it I take it so uh, we have two new nights uh, oh, and, wow. a, and, a, and, a, and a kind of a complaint and also a problem which is which is that we have not recognized all our nights because we just got a printout we actually have 30 oh my gosh that's amazing Wow. There's, a, there's an email from Eric with the uh, with the rundown. Our database is now working, so we can like look at these numbers and say, "Oh my God, we have about five or ten guys who are like a, like five bucks away." They don't. They, we have to tell them that they're getting close. We'll discuss most of this on Sunday, by the way. But I figure we we'll get these two nights out of the way. Um, well, that uh, John, sounds a little demeaning. I don't no, like, no, I, I want to get them out of the way because they, here, well, let me yeah, explain. But out of, get them out of the way. No, you you want to induct them and give them their due okay. process. I want and to props. I want to praise them. Thank you. But I, I want to apologize for the fact that both of them have been uh, kind of knighted. Uh, there should have been knighted a while back, mm. which brought me to doing the database search, realizing there's about ten guys who don't have have never gotten oh, the ceremony. I want to. I don't want to do them all at once. Greg Birch, by the way, who's a dentist in Port Angeles, who is a knight, uh, although we haven't knighted him. Are we going to do him he, today? 
He, yeah, we're gonna do him. But he he said that we should do all the guys like himself that you know, they got passed over for some reason. That we should be, they want to call themselves the Black Knights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. The Black. So Knights. I'm saying, well, man, it will work. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so if you're, a, by the way, if you're a No Agenda listener and you happen to be in the northern uh, part of uh, Washington State and the Olympic Peninsula and you break a tooth. Call Greg Birch DDS. <laughs> That's right. He'll hook you up. He'll Washington hook you up. Tell him you're a no agenda listener and you need your teeth fixed. Yeah. Yeah, this, we're going to set up a great network. I'm so happy. And by the way, we now actually have staff. There you go. We have Eric, paid employee, although not very much. And uh, he's helping now he's us. Ask for more. We have got <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know, we we need this now because we've got you know we can't be faltering on this type of stuff. We already have a database for show notes. Now we need a database for our listeners, producers, and of course our donors and our knights. <laughs> and it's important stuff. We need to grow the show, otherwise we're just gonna be floundering around forever because let's face it, we suck at a bit at administration. Yeah, we're more we're we're really researchers, basically, if you think yeah. about it. So let's ignite a, a couple of the a couple of our uh, uh, our guys. Ready? What the first one is John Kilburn from Singapore. Now is John also uh, a Dark Knight, a Black Knight, a Black Knight? Okay. Uh, so we're yeah, doing John so. and, and Greg. We're doing two. Yeah, they're both Black Knights. Okay, hold on a second. John Kilburn, please kneel before John and Adam. <laughs> I hereby knight thee, Sir John, Black Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please join us for the feast. And then Greg Birch. Greg Birch, come before us. We now solemnly knight thee, Sir Greg, Black Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. <laughs> Uh, we we make fun of it, but uh, we really appreciate your support. You yeah. have no idea what this means uh, because this is this is what's helping us. I mean, yes, yeah, baby steps, we're, but we're growing. And I do want to say that uh, John and I had uh, a real heart to heart about the No Agenda Night Rings, and uh, we, we this is one we're actually going to do. This is not some bull like the Hema underwear. This is the real the deal. The Hema underwear is impossible. Yeah, but we are doing this. You found a couple companies that can... Uh, a couple of companies in China. Eric's actually got it. We're going to start comparing notes shortly. And uh, they're going to have... You know, my concern is that uh, there has to be a ring that can be sized by a jeweler. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to you know selling certain sizes, no, so that so we can't do tungsten be because tungsten is like a. I don't know if you ever had a tungsten ring. They are basically a. It's like a rock. Yeah, you you can't you can't really do anything with it. No, it's whatever size it is. It's going to be that way for, for the end to the end of time, and uh, I think the same holds true with stainless steel and some other things. Uh, so it has so to be. So it's going to be gold. It's got to be gold. Be gold or silver yeah. or a combination or something like that. Right. And, and they're gonna, That's but they're the really, but they're really gonna be beautiful. And I think we are considering actually doing them in uh, mirrored, so that if you hit someone in the mouth, the the imprint is right there on their uh, on their schnoz. It'll be yeah. a, a seal ring, right? Sign yeah, signet something ring. like that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. And if it's just, it should be a reverse if it's gonna be a seal ring anyway. And we're gonna put an RFID chip in it. I think the Chinese will do that anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so there, uh, I'm sure there are other people. Although you mentioned at the top of the show that we didn't do too well, 
this week? No, we didn't do too well, but we, but it was you know it was fine. I wasn't great because I think it's because we went twenty eight minutes into the show before well, we got say, anywhere. You say fine, John, but you know we really got to be doing yeah, a lot better in order to we're, quit. We're, we're, I, wa- I want to be able to do this full time. I hate the traveling, doing all this other stuff. It's like it's a, it's a huge distraction. My heart is here. I know what we're doing is good because I'm seeing change happening. I'm seeing high school students uh, figuring out that that the news is crap. That they're being force-fed bull, and that that they can be deemed a terrorist. You know, these kids are growing up; they don't even know what the Constitution is. It's not being taught they in schools. Te- anymore. They don't teach anything they anymore. Have no idea what's happening. No, I think our show is a public service. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's start with some of the people that gave us some money this uh, last week. Holly Gross or Gross, Gross or Gross uh from uh oh, it's funny i left her city out but she's from the united states somewhere 50 dollars. but she, what she really wanted was a shout out to her what she says awesome hubby hmm. perry wexler and she, who she loves to wake up next to in the morning in the morning nice let's do that again ready she wants to shout out to her awesome hubby, Perry Wexler, who she likes to wake up next to. In the morning. All right. She might want a clip of that. You, you, don't, actually, you don't actually think I'm going to edit that, do you? No, you don't have to edit anything. <laughs> okay. So we did it twice. Okay. <laughs> That's <right>. why. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Nijmeyer. N-I-J-M-E-I-J-E-R. I'm sure it's, that's the only pronunciation I can come up with. San Jose, 55-55. Tom McGreevy, Davenport, Iowa. One of the more high-tech towns in the world, by the way. $50. Podcastforpeace.com. Oh, he's back. We've, uh, we've had a Podcastforpeace.com. Alamo, California, 5150. Brian Rowley, R-O-L-E-Y, Chantilly. Virginia, 5110. Mark Griffin, Indian Trail, North Carolina. Great name for a town. $50 and one cent. He's, uh, this is something we have to talk about. Uh, his, he's a regular contributor. He's given before. And he's, um, he apparently picked up on what we're talking about. He's read the economic hit man, does all these things. Now his wife, he's, it seems to be getting worried and his wife is concerned. Oh, wait a minute. Is his wife thinking that he's, um, crazy he's gone off the deep end mate <laughs> I, I remember i remember patricia uh, was uh, looking up uh what was the word schizophrenia schizophrenia yeah she's looking up schizophrenia when, I, when we started this show she's like he's finally gone off the deep end <laughs> yeah well, and that's when the show was mostly about pg tips i'm telling you <laughs> it really was <laughs> So anyway, so I'm, my, my message is if the show becomes like a, unbearable because of the kind of information we bring you and you can't take it anymore, uh, you might just want to just go back and, and fall asleep in front of the Fox or CNN or whatever you like to watch and stop listening. Uh, or, or I don't know what to tell you. It's just for one thing, take this a little more lightheartedly. I mean, one of the things that Adam and I do, we don't we, we like to break these deconstruct these stories and we like to bring you a, a little insight to what you're being fed with a spoon uh but we we're not like upset about it generally speaking i mean we've accepted the fact that this is the world in which we live and by the way it's not necessarily new i mean this this type oh, of this reporting, been, this has been going on for thousands of years absolutely well, it, in the united states has been going on since seldus and drew pearson and jack anderson i mean the people those guys are doing the same kind of thing but i'll tell you i'll uh, tell you I have stone. let me let me let me let me approach this from a different angle john 
you are a little bit older than I am, and you have a a definite, and I think you've also been on to this game a lot longer. Uh, probably since you were in your forties, you really started to figure stuff up. Once you uh, figure stuff out, once you got you know past your ego and your career and all the stuff you thought was important. And then, you know, you, you start to understand how things work also because you're a journalist and you've been around and you, you can deconstruct how things are written and you know the system of how it works. But you have an inner peace over you, which I think most people miss the first time they meet you because they're probably like, you know, well, they're just like, oh, is that dickhead, uh, douchebag Dvorak? But you do have an inner peace that comes across very nicely. And it, and this is what you gain from understanding how things work. There, you, I, I did definitely go through a period of extreme anger and like, oh, this is crazy. We've got to stop it until you realize that you can't really stop. But what you can do is change things bit by bit, starting with yourself. I feel very at peace and I, and I see these things happening. I'm like, hey, you know, the great thing is I'm not going to be worried about Jihad Jane because I understand what's going on here and it, it puts you at peace and it gives you rest and you will find out ways to pass this on to other people most importantly your children right so they don't get suckered in their school system which is a real problem in this country or, or any or the, into reality television for that matter. yeah reality yeah there's a lot of elements that are problematic but the fact of the matter is if this is happening to you you know mark uh you you know try to relax and just get once you get the hang of under the understanding of what the hell's going on uh you get to find stuff and one of the things we'd like to do by the way and i think our producers are going to enjoy doing this once in a while they're going to stumble onto something like the fishing story came in from out of out of town and it was like there read this look this is kind of interesting it was no it was not deconstructed but it was a story that was really obscure it was buried and you could just you know we, we can take the deconstruction a little further than a lot of people who don't do this all the time but whatever the case is uh you know tell your wife not to worry about it well can i can, before you continue can i just give an example of, of something how that works which is just really fun so sure um, you know that uh, I, I think we both agree that there is a definite war going on between the CIA and the Obama administration, uh, as um, as witnessed by them putting a whole layer, basically saying, CIA, you know, report over to these guys. You don't report to the president. There's a lot of you know, Ron, uh, Congressman Ron Paul has said the CIA has hijacked everything. And this, of course, started back in the 60s, maybe even a little bit earlier, but certainly in 63 when the CIA killed uh, President Kennedy. Now. Um, we have a new presidential order. I like to read these from time to time. You go to whitehouse.gov, you go to the briefing room, you go to presidential actions, and here's an executive order providing an order of succession within the Department of Defense. Uh, what this means is, um, should the Secretary of Defense die, resign, or otherwise become unable to perform the functions and duties of the office of the Secretary until such time as the Secretary is able to perform the functions, i.e. he can come back or there's a new one, here's the order of people who uh, take over the job. It's very much like President, Vice President, um, then what do you have, the Speaker of the House, and then Secretary of State, right? Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that, so. I know. So I don't yeah. know if Secretary of State, but it probably is. Yeah, I think Hillary Clinton is fourth in line. So, of course, if the Secretary of Defense, the person who runs the Defense Department, should become unable, i.e., maybe received uh, some kind of present in the middle of the night, 
then, of course, it's the Deputy, Deputy Secretary of Defense. But number two, as per this uh, executive order, will be the Secretary of the Army. Then it goes to Secretary of the Navy, Secretary of the Air Force, on and on and on and on. I'm like, okay, well, I wonder what that means. And then you look a little bit further, and it says, um, this executive order... Uh, revokes Executive Order 13394 of December 22nd, 2005. So all you have to do is Google that, and here's the exact... So and what is that? Well, Executive Order 13394, December 22nd, 2005, provides an order of succession within the Defense Department, which was set up, of course, by uh, George Bush. Uh, should the Secretary of Defense, during any period when the Secretary has died, resigned, otherwise unable to perform his functions of duties, here's the list. Of course, Deputy Secretary of Defense. But number two, remember now, Obama has put the uh, Secretary of the Army at number two. No, no. Under George Bush, it was Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. No. And the Army isn't until number seven on the list. They bumped him. So they bumped the intelligence services all the way down, saying, you know what? Screw you guys. You're never getting anywhere near the trigger. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And this actually makes me feel good because those CIA guys are out of control. Well. I'd rather have the guy with all the crazy patches running the show. <laughs> and another topic of, of conversation that we'll bring up again because the patch thing is getting on my nerves. So, okay, by the way, and here's, a, here's an example. For, you know, we talked about this in the last couple of Wait, shows. Are, are, about, we, are we done with, uh, with the... No, no, was, no, I'm going to go it? back to it. I just got to get to this way you brought the point up. Okay. Go look up Google Dwight D. Eisenhower, one of the greatest generals in the modern history of the United States who basically won World War II for everybody. Google him and then click on images and take a look at all the patches he's wearing. He's wearing one, two, three little, little chevron, little ribbon things. That's it. He's not wearing all his crap, you know, because he was a Boy Scout or he can tie a knot or he's a good friend of somebody else's or they went to a meeting someplace in the Bahamas. Yeah, and this is this is referring to our previous show where we talked about, uh, was it Petraeus? No, it yeah, was Petraeus and his underling, both. Right. And also McChrystal. Yeah, McChrystal's loaded to the gills. All these, these guys, guys are insecure to be wearing these outfits. Yes, jingle jangle, all kinds of a million Wait. patches and ribbons and medals and name tags and and it's everywhere. I mean, go look, go everybody, go look up Dwight D. Eisenhower and Google his images. When he was a two-star general, he did have a few things on there, but nothing like McChrystal or nothing like Petraeus, by the third as many. But when he became a five-star general, those things came off. Or when he was a four-star general, he got a clue. He said, I, what am I wearing all this stuff for? I'm only going to wear what's really important. What's, I mean, he's proud of everything, sure, but he's only going to wear, he's not going to, but he doesn't want to look like a South American generalissimo creep. And why are we putting those types of people in front of the American public? So now we're running like a banana republic? Symbols are very important, John. They have very deep uh, meaning. And yeah, especially they to the dumb banana republic citizenry. Okay, <laughs> let me finish with the list of laundry list of people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Christoph Schalteldreyer, S-H-O-U-M-L-T-T-E-L-D-R-E-Y-E-R, $50, and he's in Fulingsbostel. Deutschland. Yes. And Deutschland. he wants us to wish him good luck. Okay. I guess he's looking for work. All right. Good luck. You watch. The karma works. It, it's happened a lot.
John Martinez, uh, Gilroy, California, 5555, another guy giving us his, some of his tax return money. Julie Lee, Clinton, North Carolina, $100. Stephen Schnarbel, that's the way you pronounce it, in, in Hampshire, UK, $101.01. And he apparently was visiting the United States, downloaded, a, like, I don't know how many of our shows. How many have we done? One, uh, this is 181. And they're, you know, one and two hours each. You know, you listen to all these shows. He drove from Key West to Los Angeles. <laughs> wow. And, 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 and he, right, could, he couldn't get through them all. Uh, probably, I don't know. But anyway, William Arcand in Dracut, uh, or Dracut, Massachusetts, 137.37. Dorian Pippa, who we left out, uh, should have been mentioned a week ago, $50.33. And another donation. Oh, great. I got Hugh Wilson, but I didn't look up his... Uh, hey, Erica, go to the database and look up Hugh Wilson and see how much money he gave us. Oh, wow. Um, we have staff we can call on during the show now. That's awesome. Well, unless he stopped listening. Can I say that, too? Hey, Eric, go do that. <laughs> hey, Eric. <laughs> it's like... It's like That's oh. cool. I like that. Staff. Well, he's listening. And he, he may have bailed out because, you know, we go off on these tangents and he gets bored. Huh. But... Um, <laughs> We'll see. But anyway, it's, it's uh, Hugh Wilson, and uh, we missed uh, twice because, you know, I, by the way, I want to re- remind people out there, we use a very clear subject lines, and I, I'll, I'm going to reveal a, 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 a factoid, um, which is, I am a last in, first out yeah, type of guy. Yeah, me too. Because it's the only way when you have a lot of st- stuff to go through. It's the only way you can you can exist. Because otherwise, you're just permanently backed up. But if you're uh, last in, first out, uh, you at least are up to speed on um, on the most recent stuff. It's the only way to do it. You, you, you can't handle this type of electronic communication any any other way. And, and right. we read so, everything. So- and 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 I think our audience has grown. Which um, on one hand. Uh, makes me very happy. On the other hand, saddens me that we didn't have a very good week uh, as it comes to people supporting the show uh, because the email, it's, I mean, I, I can only imagine if we grow three, four, four or five times the size. I, I mean, the amount of information coming in, and it's not just these links to news stories. It's insider stuff that we can't even mention what people are saying. Yeah, there's that too. And you know, and we're also good. Uh, we keep secrets, and uh, yeah, we do. Oh yeah, do we, did we, we get we, any? Uh, did we get any uh, double nickels on the dime? No, we haven't really pushed the double nickels on the dime thing yet. Because I'm, I'm really so. There's a couple. I did see a donation. And I need to put it up on the PayPal page to, before we can really start promoting it on Sunday. I think we'll be ready to rock with that. Even though it was well, let me just say what 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 the thought would be here. So even though uh, it was because uh, we have a cutoff somewhere, um, Ed the Radar Man. Uh, sent in $22.22, and I want to thank him for that. That's his two to the head, which I think is a great uh, a great donation number. But um, it would be cool, John, if we have like... Uh, so the double nickels on the dime is $55.10, and if you make that donation, you automatically become a No Agenda Minute Man. And I was thinking, why don't we make some kind of uh, virtual patch, maybe this is something Eric can cook up, where... If you donate uh, double nickels on the dime, then we'll give you some uh, like uh, a JavaScript code or whatever, HTML code that you can put on your web log or in your uh, in your email signature, and it'll bring up a patch with your No Agenda Minuteman number. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Can we do that? That would be yeah, cool. I mean, I that, 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 would, that, that is like a virtual patch. And then you two could be just like your generals. You could be hanging full of patches. We should be giving out all kinds of pins and things. Yeah, I like this. Okay, well, now here's the, here's the dilemma we've got. And I hate to do this, but so I think we're just going to have to just push him because I'm not going to bump anybody from executive producer. No wonder uh, uh, Wilson was irked. Uh, he gave us five hundred dollars. Well, how come? Wait a minute. Not for the stream, for the show. Wilson. Yeah, Hugh Wilson, the guy whose donation was missed. We we misaccounted for him oh. because of our crappy system. system. But now we have him accounted for. Well, why can't he be an executive producer then? No, he has to be the executive producer. That's what I'm saying. But I don't want to bump the guy that we just said was the executive producer from Kiva.org, so we should have them both up there. Yeah, okay, so hold on. Kiva.org and Wilson? Hugh. Hugh. H-U-G-H. I just put it in the show notes. Wow, okay. So I want Sorry, to, Hugh. Yeah, this I, is the problem. You know, I know that Hugh was uh, he was uh, he was uh, attentive because he sent. But again, but his first and last out, he sent note immediately after the show, and then oh, okay, I'll take care of it immediately after the show. And then four days go by. I have four hundred emails a day generally, so I got sixteen hundred emails. So I, you know, I missed him again. I never. I apologize profusely. We we eventually now we have a database. None of this will happen anymore. And I want to mention something. We have the, you know who the number one donor is to this show? Mm, no. Stephen Pelsmachers. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So we have to make him sort of a knight of some supervising knight or something. Oh man, oh, we already we have black knights. We have uh, who's a supervisor? <laughs> Supervising, Supervising night. Can I talk to your super? Excuse me, Mr. Knight, sir. Um, hello. Can may I please speak with your supervisor? I have a complaint about the donations. All right. Well, I want to personally thank, and I do it on John's behalf as well, everyone who is supporting the show. Um, even if you have uh, handed out something uh, larger than ten dollars or twenty-two twenty-two, uh, please consider signing up for um, one of our ongoing monthly programs. That's really where it's going to come from. That's really where the sustain. Sustainable growth is happening, although it's still quite low. But I am happy to say, apparently, we have some kind of staff. Oh, Commander Knight is what Eric's uh, suggestion is. Well, I don't know. That's why he's in the background. I like supervising Knight. <laughs> like it's, supervising it's so, Knight so, it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to our uh, executive producers for today, uh, Kiva.org and uh, Wilson Hugh, as well as our associate executive producers, Lucas Hukason, uh, Hawkinson, um, butchering it again, and of course our brand new Knights, Black Knight, Greg Birch, Black Knight, John Kilborn. Um, uh, you can put all of that onto your resume. I don't know if you want to put Black Knight on your resume. You might want to think <laughs> about that. But certainly uh, the executive producer and associate ex- executive producers because it is the actual definition of what you are. And everyone else who donated, uh, it's really highly appreciated. Uh, I think we are moving forward with the show. Um, and then the, the stream. And the stream, and, and by the way, the numbers on the stream are going up, and, and I'm still doing that part-time, changing out these shows. And, you know, I, I actually, last night at 11, I'm like downloading the new Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, uploading it, getting it into the stream. Uh, I still put the Gitmo Nation roundtable in. You know, there's, it, you know, there's it's actual work involved, and uh, I'm a little bit missed because I, I probably have 50 stories, 50, 
If we had a third show, I might be able to get to at least half of them. But I'm going to have 50 left over at the end of the show. we got to do something with these show notes, John. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking what we're going to have to do is uh, we may split the show notes. I mean, For one thing, here's what's bothering me besides the all the untold stories is the show notes are ruining the the web page i mean they're a mile long they go yeah. down to china yeah. or at least halfway <laughs> yeah. the, the bottom of them are burning they're on fire and uh so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to create create a mailing list i didn't know this is you know we have to do this eventually anyway we're going to create a mailing list and the subscribers to the mailing list will get the show notes on the mailing list which maybe some other information that would be of some value and this will be free and, right everyone can just yeah, subscribe totally free. Yeah. and it will go to people uh, uh within uh a couple of hours of the show posting i like it when can we start that after we get <laughs> When oh, we? Is that, the, is that yeah? Hey, Kimo Sabe, when can we start that? Uh, we I got, love that idea. We have five projects we're working on, including the rings, which we have to get finished, and then we're going to do the, the the the. We have to start. You got to get the knights. That I think we have knights that don't even know they're knights, so yeah. we got to take care of them, and. Um, uh, then we and we have to do the, the two nickels on a dime project, which yeah, is coming I up to Sunday. I love that. I love uh, double nickels on the dime. So I, I figured it'd be in about maybe in about two weeks. So maybe. wait a minute. Okay, so for Sunday, if anyone sends fifty five dollars and ten cents, are they going to get a virtual patch? We don't have the virtual patch ready yet. Well, can we get it ready by Sunday? Well, maybe it's being worked on by our great artist Paul T. Oh, okay. And by the way, Paul T. sent us a note, note uh, that. Uh, some people just can't use PayPal in any circumstances, so we will be posting a uh, on one of the websites, one of the donation pages, right. the direct link to the checking account. Uh, I have to make sure you, it's not a two-way deal uh, that you can just direct deposit. And I think the and and the, the other bank. and the other one is the 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 show note mailing list. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, the show number that'll go that'll be available and up by a Sunday show. We'll have all that announced. Okay, so let me let me just get and this the straight. Oh my gosh, we're actually doing work. Okay, so we'll um, we will post the links to topics discussed in the show, but we'll have those and all other links and stories that are either of importance or we didn't get to, and these will go out in an email blast, right? Yeah, and that'll be twice a week. I, really. Well, it has to go out after each show, oh, so yeah. we're stuck doing oh, twice yeah. a week. Oh, yeah, that's right. We do the show twice a week. I forgot. Yeah, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now, this, by the way, this is automatically going to go to the people who are donors that have gotten the ma- the other mailing. So, uh, all right. Um, Noagendashow.com. Yes, there you go. Work.org slash NA. We do need donations again, uh, more coming up. Uh, two folks have donated 5510 already, and they're get, they will get the patch deal when we get the thing going. That's Tom Bushy and, and Brian Rowley. And uh, anyway, Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, and we will be posting uh, some direct deposit information so you can do that. If you do your PayPal or you want to just you know send straight straight in is and I'm, look, I'm looking at the chat room sneaker pete uh i do an opl mail version of the show notes every single show dude it's listed under uh, links that rock okay so we do structure it that's the only way how uh great apps like the uh, pocket no agenda can actually do all the show notes and put them in there so yeah we, we do do some stuff well apparently we're going to be doing more i like it john we're doing more 
Yeah. I like it. I well, really I do. I think the, the big, what everybody's anticipating, and by the way, the noagendashow.com, remember that name. And what everybody's anticipating is you uh, rolling out the, the uh, daily source code next week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to happen. Well, next you week. have a bunch of fans. Well, that's good, you know, but uh, I, I, all there's, they love that show. There are people that actually, you had a pretty big following on that thing. Yeah. It was, uh, it's been a year and like a month since the last one I posted. So I'm pretty excited. And, uh, I will say part of the donations and a lot of the decisions I've made in my life have enabled me to do that. It'll be one show. I'm just calling it DSC because there's nothing daily about it. Uh, and by the way, my aircraft is still for sale. That will really, that's a game changer right there. I'm just saying. Tradewindsaviation.com. Here's something that everyone has sent me this link, and I think we should just play this because it, uh, it is very funny. And, uh, you know, when it comes from the onion that it's going to be funny. I'm sure you've seen this video, John. Hit it. Yeah, I'm trying to hit it, but now, of course, it's not hitting. Ah. Mm. <sighs> This is, I, you know, you're right. I should have, okay. uh, if I had the time, I would have made an audio clip of okay, it. Okay, well, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to play something, I got a couple of clips we can go and then you can get your things queued up. Okay. Well, well okay. can't get it. Wait a minute. No. No. I have something much more important to say about the uh, earthquake in Turkey. You, knew, you know there's an earthquake in Turkey, right? No. What? No, it was, it was suppressed. You're kidding me. I don't remember. No, there's like, you know, like, like a hundred people died in Turkey. Oh yeah. There was a super earthquake. I'm sorry. 51. According to MSNBC, this happened on uh, Monday. Now I just want to say something about this because there's a couple things going on. Um, Something we didn't talk about is that the, um, I think it was the U S was it uh, house of representatives uh, decided that indeed um, there was a genocide that took place in 1915 and the Turks got all bent out of shape about this news and they pulled back their ambassador for Turkey and then the next day, boom, there's an earthquake. Now, I just want to tell you what this earthquake is about because yes, it is an earthquake machine attack and I want you to go to Google Earth and take a look at what's next to Turkey. John, do you know what's next, next to Turkey? Well, there's all kinds of things next to Turkey, but obviously they're hooked up with Iraq. What else is next to Turkey? The ocean. Right. But what is close enough to be for it to be scary? One of our military bases? Uh, Iran. Oh, yeah. yeah we uh, bumped up against Iran and Iraq, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this, is, this was... So you, you're, you're saying with this crackpot theory of yours, by the way, the second, this, after we do the... Uh, people out there should know that we go into the more weird stuff. No, no, this, no, 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 no. Don't even, don't even say that. This is a good that. example. This is, this, is, this is not crackpot. This is not crazy. Uh, I, I'm not going to do any more show notes about the, the fact that earthquake machines exist, that our own government knows it, and that they've been combating this. But just go to Google Earth, take a look at where Turkey is, and then look what's right next to it, and you'll see Iran, and this was a total shot across the bow to Iran saying, okay, listen up, you play it our way or the next one is yours. So I have to retract my Canary Island statement. It's getting very serious. Well, I will say this. Of course, I'll say two things. One, Turkey has earthquakes all the time. One. Two, you originally predicted Iran. I did, and then I foolishly you went. You pulled it back. You it's like it's like putting your money on the horse, changing your mind at the last minute, and then the horse wins. What can I say? I'm a shitty gambler. Mm-hmm. 
but there is uh, so now I'll have to say. And by the way, all of you, did you know that um, uh, Dutch uh, Royal Dutch Shell and a number of other uh, big oil companies actually sell uh, petrol to Iran, and they've stopped doing it. And you think like, what? They don't they have their oil? Yeah, Iran has all the oil, but they don't have the refineries. So they actually have to buy their the the petrol, the actual gasoline they put into their vehicles. They have to buy them from the big oil companies. And of course, while all this is going on, while we're all pissed off on the axis of evil, we've always continued to just nicely sell the gasoline. That has now stopped. They're going to run out of petrol. There's a lot going on that is not reported. Oh yeah, that's right. We have to look at Jihad Jane. That's much more important. So there, we're, it's coming to a head right now, and this blast towards Turkey is absolutely a shot across the bow. And I feel bad about something going to happen pretty soon, particularly when you know that uh, Iran is full of beautiful young people, and uh, there's just a couple of douchebags running the show. And yeah, of course, it's a pro- that is a very big, serious problem, and I think everybody's aware of it. And our douchebags are no better. Well, well, we know that. So uh, I got a couple of clips that I think we should go over that I think would be funny. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, well, let me play one that is going to annoy you and you're going to say at the end, oh, there's a minute and a half of my life. I'll never get back. I'm just going to do that in advance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was really, you know, I, every once in a while we have to remind ourselves that the Obama administration is filled with professional bureaucrats, government employees, and people who have never held a job in their life in a real business. They don't know how to run businesses. They don't know anything about it. And I mean, the, it's the lowest in the history of the presidency, the cabinet members, the advisors, the people that are all that they put into positions. Now, here's a mayor who happens to name Ron Kirk, who happens to be the U.S. trade representative. I swear to God, and by the way, this is why you should go to noagendashow.com and give us money, because I listen to this guy for hours talking pretty much the way he's talking here, and it's just a bunch of bull crap about him. And then if you, if you actually start deconstructing it, all you find out is that this guy is on a perpetual junket from Singapore to Brazil. Oh, he's living Europe. it up. Oh, yeah. No, he's having a great time. Oh, He's yeah. going everywhere. So let's just play a little clip, a minute and 30 seconds of this guy yakking away and just see. And notice how he's just, it just gets to you after a while. It just no, wait, wait a minute. He is the U.S. trade representative. What, what, what does that job actually entail? Apparently travel. <laughs> this home to some of the world's fastest growing economies uh, around the globe. And I'm often asked, why do we spend so much time speaking about Asia Pacific? Why do I talk so much about exports? And I, again, I remind audiences, and I, and I, first of all, I forgive me, but I tell them I'm a mayor at heart. Um, and I start with the proposition that 95% of the world's consumers live outside of the United States. And as our so former police chief yeah, uh. used to say, that's a clue. And so if you look at the fact then that most of them and most of that growth is going to be in the Asia-Pacific region, it's critically important that the United States becomes engaged in opening up that market for our entrepreneurs, our service providers, our businesses, and our ranchers. So I think there was great excitement and anticipation when we were at the APEC summit uh, last fall in Singapore and President Obama announced uh, that the United States would move forward toward crafting an aspirational 21st century agreement that will guarantee American export. An aspirational? 
It's bullshit. Isn't inspirational? What is aspir? I don't know. What is access to this very dynamic market? <laughs> I got some aspirational for you right here, brother. Many of you know that I'm speaking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we have begun our consultations with. Oh, what happened there? We started to speed up. I'm telling you, you listen to this guy enough, you start hallucinating. That's what we've our consultations with stakeholders. I see many of our friends here representing okay. a number of industries that have been engaged with Ambassador Miranda. And we thank you very much for your input. During our initial round of negotiations, we will focus on how we can maximize export opportunities for small and medium-sized businesses. What we can do to promote innovation and competitiveness. Also, what we can do to promote regulatory coherence and make it easier, frankly, for America. Export throughout the Asia-Pacific region. We're also working to expand trade opportunities through other vehicles in this important region, one of which is the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation. Okay. All right. All right. See what I mean? <coughs> I swear, you listen to this guy, and the next thing you know, you're hallucinating. <sighs> you know, this, it's an actual art to talk so much bull crap. It's unbelievable. This guy can do it for hours. It's really unbelievable. And it's all bullcrap. Yeah, it's and, and it's just it one. Uh oh, hold on. Stand by, John. Now, in a desperate attempt to fill 24 hours of programming, here's some bullshit that happened somewhere today. We've got some footage here of the bullshit, which began just after 3 o'clock this afternoon, when residents in this neighborhood were shocked to see this fairly common thing happening. An attractive witness described the event in breathless terms. I went to my window, and I was like, whoa, there's some bullshit happening. That happened right over there. I'm an older man, so you can trust what I say. Authorities in special uniforms rushed to the scene to stand around while our cameras filmed them. Our reporter Keith Collins joins us now live from the scene of the bullshit through the use of expensive technology. Good to be with you again, Keith. We have a, a colorful graphic here that shows instances of bullshit like this are on the rise. Is that right? Yes, although why is unclear. Some say it's because of one fucking reason. Others say it's because of some other fucking reason. I talked to this random expert on the subject who told me this thing you're about to hear him say right after he points at a piece of paper. I spent my entire life attending the nation's most prestigious schools to talk about bullshit like this. I'm really just happy to be on TV. Now let's see if we can drag this out a little longer by showing emails written by some of our viewers. I once saw some stuff kind of like the shit you're talking about happen. I have nothing more to add. Another person says, I am angry that things like this happen. I get mad about every bullshit thing I see. So obviously a lot of opinions there to make this story seem somewhat meaningful. Oh, absolutely, Glenn. And this bullshit has some broader implications. Here's a list of tips on how to avoid bullshit happening to you. And here's some footage of Congress. Yes, I see that. Well, thank you, Keith. <laughs> uh, let us know if there are any updates on this bullshit story from there. There's no way there will be. Very good. We'll check back with you in an hour anyway. I'm just some fucking guy. When we return, we'll look at live footage of a car chase taken from a helicopter and free associate about what's going on. <laughs> The Onion, those guys rock. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely what's going on. Oh so my before God. we finish the show, and we're pretty close to the end here, I want you, I want to play. I'm not going to do this ever. I'm not going to do this in the future. But I want. I'm going to make you. I, I, I'm guessing you haven't. Don't know who this is. Is that's going to be talking? I want you to play. Uh, I have two clips from the guy. Guess who won, and guess who two. Ooh, uh, I like. I, oh, I love the guessing game. Okay. This is guess who won. Now I want you. As soon as you figure out who it is, I want you to tell me who it is, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to try to figure out who it is. If you don't guess it, and then we'll play the second part. If you still don't know, we're going to take a break. What, are we going to go to the bathroom together? What are we going to do? What's no, the, the take clip a break? is going to be over. Oh, okay. Or more durable jobs, and 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 not simply uh, competing uh, to, to the bottom. If you're racing to the bottom to see who is who has lower wages, and and as we're doing right now between different economies, 
if we create the framework worldwide, and that's why I think Mexico is, is the meeting in Mexico this year is, is very important, the necessary frameworks where we can help create the incentives for investment in a green economy, we will have many more, many more jobs. We will, we, will, we will mobilize money. We will mobilize uh, investment in new technologies. And these technologies will transform our economies. And in that transformation, we will create viable economies and jobs and a better future for our, for our children. One question about the United States. Uh, you have been a longtime friend. Your father uh, lived here. You lived here. He taught school here. I was before. born in Minnesota. And born in Minnesota, where he was teaching. How do you see us today? We have a new president, a year into his administration. He inherited lots of problems. Uh, his domestic priorities are in trouble. Well, I think the, the new administration, and particularly Barack Obama, has created a, a great deal of hope and uh, has changed the image of the United States hope around the world uh, after administration. Okay, you can stop was, it there. Um, Hold on. Uh, wow. You don't, you're not getting it. He's... <sighs> okay, well, you hear a lot of green stuff. The next clip... Yeah, yeah it was a... Uh, the next clip may give you a, a bigger hint. He's a globalist. Uh, you'll see. He's, a well, he, and he's, he's clearly part of an elitist family. There's no doubt about that. I mean, just the way he's talking about his dad. Maybe. Hmm. So play the second part here, and I think it's the part that will get you more annoyed. You'll figure it out. Okay. Do we create a more rigorous system at the global level of Vivek Kundra <laughs> did I get it? no oh. regulations and I know this in the United States is often seen as um, a taboo subject or, or a negative thing such as the, the United Nations and I'm not talking necessarily about the United Nations only I'm talking about the fact that we need to govern this planet and we need to work together to govern this planet but on, on what rules with what values Who's going to make the decisions? How are we going to make sure that everyone is represented? Well, this. All right, stop it. All right, who is it? The Prime Minister of Greece. Oh, wow. I tell you, know, it's it's funny you say that because I remember I saw he was in Washington. I saw him on C-SPAN and I saw him spouting some bull crap about oh we have to stop the hedge funding you're killing your you know, we were killing the euro and I was actually thinking to myself wow this guy speaks excellent English for a Greek yeah he's born in Minnesota oh my god oh man and he's a big glow and instead of talking about the problems with Greece which is a he's talking a about ruling the world the toilet, he's talking about He's talking about green economy, one world government, uh, and on and on. I'm thinking, well, who's, who, who planted this guy into that office? Goldman. Goldman Sachs. Well, they did a bunch of deals with Goldman Sachs, so there's yeah. something to that. Wow. I just thought that was the most... I, I knew you... I mean, it was a, obviously a setup, because it's when I was listening to the guy, because I, I caught it in mid-interview, and he's talking about Minnesota, and then they flash up his Chiron, and he says... How does know, a guy like that even get in? I don't know how the why the public would... I just baffling. So there's a new bill in, uh, uh, that was introduced on Friday to the New York State Assembly, John, which would be right up your alley. Um... This is Bill A-10129. So it has not been passed yet, but let me read this to you. What's the number again? 
Well, if A one o one two nine, the people of the state of New York, represented in Senate and Assembly, do enact as follows: Pro- prohibition on salt restaurants. One, no owner or operator of a restaurant in this state shall use salt in any form in the preparation of any food for consumption by consumers of such restaurant, including food prepared to be consumed on the premises of such premises of such restaurant or off such premises. What? Oh yeah. What's they, more, the court. A, we the did co- this about six months ago. We did a story about the salt thing. And going here on it in, is. In, and here it is. The court the- may impose a civil penalty of not more than one thousand dollars for each violation. Each use of salt in violation of this section shall constitute a separate violation. What is this about? There was. There was. Don't you remember about yeah, six months ago? I know, we did a, yeah. We did a story about the Bay Area salt. Yeah. And I go, remember, it was a national story then, too. There's something going on about salt. No, this is a part of the Codex Alimentarius, John, which I've been harping on for two years. This thing is now implemented. It is law in the United States of Europe. And they are telling you what you can eat. This is what this is coming down to. Oh, it's bad for you. You shouldn't have salt. You can't have salt. We're going to ban the... I mean, they're going to... How can you cook without salt? You can't. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, wow. It's, it's it's so. Well, that's a good way to end the show. Well, I, I don't feel like ending the show. It's, it feels like I haven't gotten to... No, there's a bunch of stuff we need to bring up, but I don't have the full research yet. But next, on the Sunday show, I, I tend to uh, discuss the, the what former South African spy was named head of the climate change organization. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that story, too. Here's I want to continue uh, with some more details on the assault on marijuana, uh, or actually really assault on the marijuana referendum. That's, that is a huge meme. And But I got a really good piece. I, I know you don't have this one, which is going to be, where the tarp money is really going most of it's going out of the country oh of course of course it's yeah. all going to foreign banks. What, under yes. what circumstances this is a very interesting story you're going to be getting a kick out of it I'm still researching it um, you'll recall that uh, the IRS uh, sent out a tender for shotguns remember we talked about that yeah uh, so it's, this is a great website fedbizops.gov and now the U.S. Department of Education has set out a tender. They intend to purchase 27 Remington brand model 8701214P shotguns <laughs> with modified sights, ghost ring rear Wilson combat front, and excess contour bead sight stock. The Department of Education, John, is buying shotguns. Why? <laughs> well, it doesn't say that in the tender, but I guess they need him. <laughs> hey, kid, you got a D. Come over here. I'm going to shoot you. You tell me why. <laughs> you tell me why. This just gets worse by the minute. <laughs> well, anyway, so there is very good news. Uh, I'm very, very happy to report. Ooh, there's a little squirrel. Hey, squirrel. I'm very happy to Shoot report it. that <laughs> I got to get one of my Department of Education shotguns. Uh, the Large Hadron Collider is going to shut down. Uh, they can't get this thing sparked up properly. 
And, uh, of course, you know that in uh, November 2009, a bird dropped a piece of baguette <laughs> into uh, some, yeah. of the some of the equipment. A bird from the future. Well, so this is the funny thing is that's what they blame it all on. But I know that the long, tall, the tall blonde aliens are actually just prohibiting this thing from working because it is a very evil machine. It's the whole idea is crazy. It's costing billions of dollars. No one can report on it properly because it's like, oh, it's to do this, it's to do that. It's a bad idea to fire this thing up. And it's being, I think it, I, I, I truly believe that there are extraterrestrial forces at work in making this thing break. They certainly, you know, someone should research what this thing is costing at this point and just call it all off. All right, you can't fire it up. It's not working. Stop already. I think they can get their money back by turning it into a tourist attraction. Ooh, yeah, that would be good. And yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, oh yeah, it looks out. Well, it looks like a Star Trek thing. Yeah. And then uh, there's a website I'd like you to look at, John. Uh, VHEMT.org, Victor Hotel Echo Mike Tango.org. This is uh, a movement. V, wait, wait, v. V-H-E-M-T dot org. The Voluntary oh, yeah. we are, Human... We talked about these guys before. No, we haven't. The, well, volu the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement. Yes. And what a fine website it is. <laughs> well, at least it has multiple languages. May we live long and die out. This this group of nutcases have been around in various forms. And they're uh, and if you ever see them on a, on a TV talk show or anything, they are so creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this But here's the here's the creepiest one. So uh, Tom, uh, known as Clogwog from Down Under in Australia, Dutch guy living there, I've known for a long time, he saw a bumper sticker, and uh, let me just uh, bring up the bumper sticker here for a second, um, and uh, it had a website URL, and the bumper sticker said something like, uh, hold on, I'm just bringing it up on Flickr, go veg, be green, save the planet, and the URL is suprememastertv.com. You have got to see, this is a, a live television station. It is apparently running on uh, multiple satellites. To together in halting illegal drug trafficking. And it is a, it, uh, let me see. Supreme Master TV. Yeah, oh yeah, and it's all about uh, being vegan uh not uh not eating meat which will reduce your carbon footprint now he's done some of the research for wow. us and this is uh the supreme master as reported by the very trustworthy wikipedia is ching hai or suma ching hai the self-titled founder and spiritual teacher of Quan, the kuan yin method estimated 20,000 followers Worldwide, and and, it's, and the the financing for this station is sketchy. It's it's a it's something we really got to delve into. But this yeah, station, yeah, we'll look into it. It is, looks bad, and there's a picture of that head of the IPCC just cropped up. Oh on my yeah, screen. oh yeah. This is and let me see. It has a free to air satellite channel, twenty four hours, seven days World's a week. Major rivers are drying. One third are gone or going. How's that work with all the rising of the of the oceans? Yeah, but this is. Ground the, Huge propaganda. Global propaganda. shift to vegan diet could cut climate change mitigation costs by 80%, according to the Netherlands Environmental oh, Assessment yeah. Agency. Oh, yeah. Oh, those guys are good. This is good stuff. We'll have a link in the show notes. 
And I will put into the uh, into the show notes as well. We talked about uh, Sabo on the on the last show. Uh, this was the CIA pilot who was uh, who received two to the head because he was essentially going to blow the whistle on um, uh, on the uh, drug and uh, gun running in military aircraft. And this, of course, was related to the Pentagon shooter. Yeah. Um, so there's some research there, and this is, this is the kind of stuff that's going to be perfect to uh, uh, to get out into our show notes emailing list. Yeah, so and it's actually better to do it that way because it, you know the, the website. You know, everybody will have a copy. Right. And by the way, we always remind everybody: if you see something that looks a little weird and it might that might get a takedown notice, you know, yeah. save it, save oh, it oh, on oh, the computer. Wait, there's a there's a great here's a new one. It's called pdfmyurl.com. Yeah, there's a couple of those. That one doesn't do really big files. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm still looking into the best version of that. All right. And then uh, to wrap it up, this is a story that goes back to one of our very first shows, John, when uh, the news came out that uh, the U.S. contract for uh, air-to-air super tankers for refueling uh, jet aircraft was going to go to the uh, European EADS, the guys who make Airbus, which, of course, kicked off the whole Airbus-Boeing war. You'll recall that, right, when uh, planes were dropping out of the sky left and right. Yeah. And we were like, well, what's up with that? How come all the, this, you know, like almost a trillion dollars is going to go to the Europeans? We should be spending it on our... If, look, if we're going to do war stuff, at least let's do it in our own country. Well, there was a big fight about that, and there was going to be another. They're going to reevaluate the tender, and now all of a sudden, U.S. defense behemoth Northrop Grumman has dropped out of the race. Yeah, I know it's hilarious. And, and of course, Northrop uh, is the EADS subsidiary, so it's going to Boeing. Which, by the way, still baffles me. Why? Why do we have one of our number one defense contractors with extremely high technology, flying wing, and other things now owned by the Europeans? Do we just sell our stuff at the drop of a hat for any reason whatsoever? It's, it's baffling to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, some guy, some guy takes a computer and sells it to somebody in China, and then it gets routed to North Korea, and the guy's in jail. Meanwhile, we take the entire high tech company of Northrop Grumman, which you know owns all these patents and has all these technologies for wings and everything else, and we just sell them to the Europeans, lock, stock, and barrel. Well, it's real all simple. All the patents and everything else. It's re- well, I don't get it. I'm not getting this. What's well, the, what? What am I missing? Well, it's just like with lies. The larger that it is, the more believable it becomes. You know, you just make it really, really big and really really obvious how many times i have to tell you that when when you learn learn how to fly the one of the first things you learn is your instructor will say look at this map you're going from a to b now tell me what obstacles will will be in your path and you're there looking at the map and you're going well there's a let's see there's a, some uh, some high power wires there looks like there's a tower there so i'll avoid that and then your instructor will say uh yeah how about the freaking mountain you're about to fly into this is how it works you just don't see the, the, the big, big thing that's right in front of your nose. All right, we should wrap this show up. Uh, I do want to mention that I'm on to some, uh, some other interesting things that we'll probably have to talk about on Sunday. Um, uh, you thought that it was just for the Unical pipeline and for the poppies that were in Afghanistan. How about red spinals, John? Are you familiar with this gemstone? No. The red spinal is pretty much... Uh, on par value with a ruby 
and uh, the mountains of northern Afghanistan, which, by the way, coincidentally were bombed while I think they were probably blowing TNT at the same time. The, the the Afghanistan has been pillaged of all of these gemstones, completely pillaged. And gemstones are great because they're worth a lot of money. You can uh, you know you can uh, travel with them easily. And I do a little bit of research, and I find this little ditty from the BBC from um, November seventh, two thousand. The Taliban movement in Afghanistan is demanding. The handing over of part of the United Kingdom's crown jewels. Apparently, the Brits have stolen all of this or came into possession of all these huge stones that come from Afghanistan. Wow. This could be about a little bit more than we just well, think. Well, let's, let's, let's make this a number one topic for next week. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. And I am finding reports that when we had this big... Remember we were bombing the caves? Like let's let's smoke them out of their holes. We'll bomb the caves. That they were timing it with TNT explosions because they were basically bombing the or mines. Maybe they were the TNT explosions. You know, say okay, here's an area where there's going to be a bunch of stones. Can you blow that crap out of it? And we'll go hand pick the stones. Yep. Why not? Yep. All of that kind of stuff is happening right under your nose, and we're here to bring it to you. And all we ask from you is a listening ear. A little bit of belief that maybe what you see on television isn't exactly the full story. And if you got a couple of shekels left over, hit us up with double nickels on the dime and get a nice virtual patch. And we're going to, uh, and you can probably get a real patch. We're going to set it up so you can actually get a real patch. All right. I think that's good for today. Yeah. Noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA. We need some more uh, assistance. Yeah, no, not some more. We need we need structural assistance. So if you can't donate, go out, tell people to listen to this show. Do graffiti, some, yeah, stickers, you stickers. name it. Get people on the ball. And let us know if you found there was any value by giving us some value. All right. Um, coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower in the... Southern Republic, People's Republic of uh, California. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where uh, the sun is shining once again, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again for the early service on Sunday morning, and I will bring you a pre-stream because I'll set my alarm. By the way, John clocks jump an hour ahead on Sunday. It'll be right here (laughs) on No Agenda. Oh, no. No.